This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by our Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. That's because of Brandon Staley. doesn't matter how he's designing it. The situation he's putting them in is bad. I, I, I knew we were going to go here. Uh, so yeah, because you're not going to come on and defend the worst coach in the league. Because I'm just not going to let you do that. 22. I'm not gonna let you do that, he says. That and I didn't. You didn't let me do that. That's that's fair. And I I look, Brandon Staley's defense shut out the New England Patriots last week. I don't know if you knew that, Alex. That that happened. Worst coach in the league pitched a shutout on your home turf. Yeah. How's, how's that feel? Well, he didn't coach a very good game. How's that feel? I would say. How did he not coach a very game? A good game. He won. The offense put up six points with one of the best quarterbacks in the well, league and Kellen their top Moore. wide receiver. Held it. I was Moore not show. impressed by Kellen Moore. Yeah, we'll talk about I that. I was not impressed by Kellen Moore. Um, uh, the, 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 uh, you got me in the corner here. I did um, because he beat, he beat the Patriots. He made a right, lot of bad right down the hall. He made a lot of bad in-game coaching decisions. Uh, the game plan was, was good, and Khalil Mack was great. And I think he's gotten a ton out of Khalil Mack, but... That challenge on, the, like, the deflected pass? Yeah. What are you doing, dude? Yeah, that was a weird challenge. The hell's going I, on? Like, even if it was deflected, it has to be so obviously deflected it, 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 for it to ter- get re- overturned. For and, yeah. intellectual consistency, do you remember, what was the game early? I think it was the, the Dolphins game. It was, the Eagles, it was one of the first games of the year where Bill challenged a fourth down spot call. Yeah. And I came on here and I said, even if he's right, you don't challenge that because it never, ever gets overturned. Yeah. That, that that's fair. Deflected at the line, unless the guy bats it straight down and they miss it, never gets overturned. Yeah, that's, that's Staley. Fair. This is what Brandon Staley does, though. Every time, Why did we every get on this? single time, because you wanted to get me wound up to start that's the day. True. Every single time, Brandon Staley is in that corner, yeah. and it's it's about to be it. He pulls one out and saves his job and buys another three <laughs> he, weeks. He pulls it and out, it, doesn't it, he? It, it it lined up perfectly for him to pull one out here, and now he's probably going to make it through the season. And I guess we'll see what happens in the offseason, but can, that that roster the, the is so talented. Can we please get them some real leadership? The Chargers are one of those teams, and this is not Chargers uh, uh, catch-22, so we'll get to the Patriots in a second, but the Chargers are one of those teams that does tend to get hot down the stretch. And this is what always saves Brandon Staley or who, uh, you know the guys before him's jobs, right? Is because down the stretch they'll win like five straight games, where they'll they'll catch some breaks and they'll play a Patriots team that stinks and you know all this other thing, and all of a sudden they're they're nine and eight and they're going to the playoffs, right? And that that's that's the Chargers in a nutshell. Uh, but uh, it's Evan Lazar, it's Alex Barth with you for the next couple hours here on Patriots uh, Catch Twenty Two. A uh, full house here today, full house. We have. All three shows on our radio airwaves. We have Catch-22, Unfiltered, Playbook. Scott Zolak's in the other studio uh, next door here doing uh, 98.5. A little crossover for you, Alex. You know, you got your your brethren over there. Uh, So full studio for Maureen Matt, who is running around like a crazy person right now. And uh, we will give you, Alex, I'm giving you three minutes. Can you narrow Army-Navy down in three minutes? That's it, five. five. We'll see. We'll see. It, five minutes on Army okay. Navy at the end of the show. All right. I think it's only fair. Okay, it is only fair. Uh, good company man over here. I'm gonna. We can talk about Army Navy for five minutes. But here, I want to start with the Patriots. I, I do want to start on a positive note. And if you want to call in eight five five Pats five hundred Web Radio at Patriots dot com, uh, we can talk draft. We can talk big picture. I, I know that's what it's on a lot of your. Uh, 
folks' minds. Uh, so uh, go ahead and, and give us a call, and we'll, we'll talk all about all of it. Uh, but I want to start uh, about this Chargers game and look back, as we always do. And I, I do want to start with a positive and, and give some flowers uh, to the Patriots' defense, which – just for, you said intellectual consistency. Yeah. I did not come on here after the Giants and Colts game and praise the Patriots defense for some great performance. I didn't because I tried to be as objective, but also I tried to wait in for an actual good performance to crown somebody, right? I, I don't want to give you credit uh, for Tommy DeVito and the New York Giants last week, uh, two weeks ago, I guess now, uh, throwing some bad throws, you know, some missed reads, things like that down the field, which I thought I uh, took away some big plays and some points for the giants in that game. It felt like those games, uh, there was a lot more coverage breakdowns. Uh, there wasn't a ton of, of great defensive coverage, secondary play. JC Jackson was getting burned in that giants game. That did not feel to me like a great defensive performance against the giants. Right. And I think we said that that next day. Yeah. And the Colts too. I, I thought, in a lot of ways, you know, Gardner Minshew's got that wheel route down the sideline in, in Germany and it, it, the tight end, it drop it fall, you know, he drops it. Right. And there was drops in this game too. And the conditions played a factor and all that kind of stuff is, is no doubt about that. But in this game, I thought that the Patriots defense had probably their best day in coverage that they've had all season long. They were really tied together on the back end in this game. They had a really great plan for Keenan Allen and it was nice to see a Belichick defense take out a number one receiver and force a quarterback to beat them, throw into the other guys. And this Charger offense is is that to a T. Keenan Allen has like 100 more catches than anybody else on the Chargers. So they're a one-man show in the passing game. And the Patriots did a lot of different things, whether it was zone, you know, playing cloud coverage with one guy over him and one guy underneath or uh, some brackets, double teams, things like that. Uh, they did an excellent job of forcing Justin Herbert to beat them, throwing to Quinton Johnson, Guyton, his tight ends, you know, the other guys in this offense. And those other guys didn't make plays until Alex Erickson at the very end of the game against Miles Bryant. But I thought this was their best game in coverage all year, and I know the pass rush wasn't great. It was a, about a 28% pressure rate is what I had it at. But I thought the strategy, they executed the game plan as a pass rush. I don't think this was a rush plan. They did not come into this game planning on going after Justin Herbert and teeing off on Justin Herbert. I thought what they really wanted to do was get him unsettled in the pocket, make him move a little bit off his spots here and there, and make him go through the progression. And Keenan Allen's not there. I have to hit number two. I have to hit number three. I have to get to my check down. And they were able to do that for most of this game. So uh, I, I think that needs to be said. And, and lastly, just to tie a bow on it, I also – I'm more and more coming towards the take of I would like to see Gerard Mayo back next year to run this defense in some capacity. And yeah. I know that that's kind of a cop-out because it does feel like it's either head coach or nothing for Gerard Mayo. But I think there is a world where if they hire, let's just use a name, Ben Johnson yeah. as their next head coach, that Gerard is promoted officially to defensive coordinator and is has the title of defensive coordinator next season with the Patriots. And I look at how hard this defense is playing. Say what you will about the execution against the Colts, against the Giants, against the Commanders. 
how they are playing their tails off for a two and ten team on defense. Yeah, no, these guys are still playing with a ton of pride. Yeah, yeah, and that I think talking to players, the conversations I've had with guys, I think that comes from Gerard. I do. I think he's, uh, you know, one player said to me, he's the alpha in the room. Like he's he walks into the room, he gets to the front of the room, and guys are are. Are in. They you respect know, him. They, they respect, they respect him. him. They respect him. They're bought into him. They play, want to play hard for him because they don't want to leave him out to dry in terms of his job and his future in this league. And I also think there's a lot of guys in that room that feel like Gerard Mayo could be the next guy here. And if he's your head coach next year, then you want to put good film and you want to put good habits together because he might be the one making the roster decisions on this team about who stays and who goes on the defensive side of the ball. So I think there's a lot of pride, like you said. I think there's a lot of respect. And I still lean towards the fact that I would probably prefer the Ben Johnson route, you know, that whether it's Ben Johnson or another offensive-minded guy. I would probably prefer that route in terms of head coach, uh, but I think that there's really something to be said uh, for keeping the continuity on the defensive side of the ball, keeping the leadership on the defensive side of the ball, because clearly the way those guys are playing, there's not a leadership problem on defense. Nope. Those guys are playing hard. Uh, they're playing for each other. They're clued into game plans, uh, and they're keeping them in games right now because this offense is an absolute train wreck, and the defense is the only reason uh, why they're even close to – competitive in some of these games you know they, they've been in a bunch of one score games lately and if they that is strictly in my mind because the defense has been keeping them together yeah I think some continuity on the defense would be fantastic on the defensive coaching staff I think with the unit you're pretty much going to have everybody back right because Josh as well as the defense as a whole has played you look at the guys on expiring contracts I would not say Josh Uche has been a big part of it no I would not say Kyle Duggar has been involved but I thought this was one of Duggar's best this games. This was one of his better games, but you could just as easily, I think, move on from him, play Jabril Peppers in the box, get a true free safety, and have similar results. And that's not me saying get rid of Kyle Duggar, but I'm saying, like, if they do, Anthony Jennings, I, I think, will be back just because I don't think he'll cost a lot of money. So you're going to have the same group back, yeah. essentially, on defense. You're going to have the same personnel. And, and you're going to add Gonzalez and Judon. And you're going to add Gonzalez and Judon, right, for yeah. for the full year, which even helps. It, the needs aren't a ton. Again, a free safety, like a rotational Jason McCourty-type boundary corner, a rotational edge rusher. Yeah, It's just about keeping some consistency on the coaching staff. And obviously, if that's Gerard Mayo, that's excellent in whatever capacity. And I love the idea of him being promoted to D.C. You know, if Bill Belichick leaves, what happens with Steve? I think that's a question. Does Steve stay here? Because, uh, and I'm somebody who was critical of Steve when he first kind of got the big, you know, I played the linebackers coach. Whatever, right. Yeah. Steve's become a very good football coach. He's a good play caller. Steve, Steve, so, you know, if Steve's still here, what happens? If he leaves, is it Mayo? Maybe it's Steve staying. Maybe Mayo yeah. leaves. And even if Bill leaves, Steve becomes the D.C. Oh, and... I can't see that happening. No? Okay. Not if, right. if they fire his dad and him staying. I mean, I... I I'm I, just covering all the bases. I'm I with you, you, but I'm just covering all the I, bases. Yeah. The other one, let, let's say they hire, again, to use your name, Ben Johnson. Yeah. Steve leaves and Mayo says, you know what? I, I'm going to go be a head coach. Somebody offers yeah. him. Maybe the Panthers come back and say, we missed you last year. Come on down. Right. Work with Bryce Young. Demarcus Covington is the yeah. first guy I would call. He got some defensive coordinator calls last year. All the players in that room speak incredibly highly. Not just the linemen. He's the defensive line coach. Not just the linemen. All the players on defense speak incredibly highly of Demarcus Covington. 
I don't I can't imagine he's gonna get any head coaching looks. No. I just think he's too young. He's too inexperienced. Yeah, no, he's, he's still a step or two, right. or two away. Right. He'll that. get them eventually, but not this year. So if if the best he's gonna get is defensive coordinator anyway, and he can get it here where he doesn't have to move his family and you know, he has a group he likes, yeah. I think that would be a no brainer for him. So they should be able to, no matter what happens keep continuity on the defensive side of the ball in terms of the coaching staff. Yeah. Whether it's Mayo, whether it's Covington, they should do it, and they should want to do it because the other thing, when you look at the picture of the offseason, yeah. right, they have, I mean, you can go through all the needs on offense. We don't need to. We've done it a million times. We'll do it a million more times. The to-do list is a long one. You don't want to have to change your defensive scheme, and now suddenly, you know, all right, well, Gonzalez isn't really a fit for what we want to do. Now we need to go get a new number one corner. Right. Well, none of these linebackers fit our new scheme. Now we need to overhaul our linebacker room. You already have too much to do on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. If you keep playing this defense, again, the, the, there's three needs on defense to me that are all, I wouldn't say they're all small needs. The, the free safety, I wouldn't mind if they use premium asset. Not the first round pick, but like a decent investment in a free safety. But you can go get an edge rusher, a guy like Patrick P- Payton out of Florida State on early day three of the draft, you're probably yeah. good. Or you, even, like, you know, just to – if Keon White develops into that right, guy. Right, or maybe Keon White develops into that guy. Yeah, I, I mean, think they need another speed rusher, but, yeah. yeah. That, that's fair. Or, or I, like, I you, think can go get, you can go get some – what Marcus Peters signed for, yeah. like one year, $8 million. Yeah. You get a guy like that, he's your third boundary and, and I hate to say it, and it's nothing that – I actually – so the thing about Uche, I actually believe – that his effectiveness when he rushes the passer has not waned, even though the sacks haven't been there this year. But, uh, and I've spoke to him a little bit about this. He, I think he's trying really hard to play more within the framework of the defense this year and be that sturdy edge guy that's not giving up the edge, is not letting the quarterback out of the pocket. And as much as that's, I think he's – in the coach's eyes, I guess let me put you this way. In the coach's eyes, I wouldn't be surprised if the coaches think that Uche's having a great year. But that the year he's having isn't going to get him paid on the open market. So the, for Uche, either a team is going to come in and say, two years ago you were an 11-and-a-half sack guy, we're going to put you in a position just to rush the passer, and we're going to get double-digit sacks out of you every year, so we're comfortable paying you let's call it 12, 14 million dollars a year or the rest of the league is going to say situational pass, you know, same thing the Patriots are going to say, right? Situational guy didn't really do much except for one season and he's not going to get that big payday. So I'm not ready to to write Uche off, I guess is what I'm saying as a future Patriot simply because I don't know what the market is going to look like for him in free agency given the fact that he hasn't really had the production this year that he had last year. If he had stacked another year of like eight, nine, ten sacks onto what he had last year, then yeah, he was going to be a, a $15, $16 million player in free agency. Now I don't know what he's going to get. I think it's an, it's a complete wild card in what, how teams view him. But in general, I, I just look at this defense and I, I've been really – I was really impressed with the performance on Sunday. I thought that was their best coverage performance. I thought they were on top of everything. I thought they played really tight coverage. Like, even the throws, I know a lot of people are talking about the drops that the Chargers had. They had two big drops on third down. Uh, they had one by the uh, the tight end, Parham, uh, yeah. on Jalen Mills. And then they had one, uh, Quentin Johnson obviously dropped that pass on that crossing route uh, from J.C. Jackson. But if you go back and watch those two plays, the coverage is pretty tight. Like, 
there's guys there. Yeah. And ju- and Justin Herbert has to put the ball in like a certain spot to the th- get the throw to Parham's an awesome throw. Yeah, and, and the throw to Quinton Johnston, you know, J.C. Jackson undercuts it, so he flashes across Quinton Johnston's face as he's trying to catch the ball along the sideline. Those are not; uh, those are at least challenged catches. It's not like guys were wide open down running field all alone, yeah. and, and just dropped it. And I'll right? say this: uh, the Parham one is probably a touchdown if he catches it. There's nobody behind him. Maybe I don't know because he he stops and like opens up to that side, and I I think. But if he keeps his momentum going around, like he catches it and he's running, maybe. And he's off. J- Jalen Mills, I think, had a ch- would have had a chance to tackle. Maybe whether okay. he tackles him or not, who knows? But, here, but. here's my point. Let's say those two drive. Let's say those two drops don't happen. Those two drives end in touchdowns because people are saying, "Oh, it was rainy and they were bad, and that's yeah. why the defense was good." Yeah. All right. Both those drives end in touchdowns. The rest of the game goes the way it was. You allowed twenty points in the yeah. modern NFL. That's yeah. still a pretty good defensive yeah. effort, I mean, especially against that team. Yeah, they came in averaging almost twenty-five points a game. Right. So they held them to six. Even if you want to say sixteen to twenty without the drops, you're still holding them below their season average. And uh, they they kind of they low key kind of own Herbert, like they they kind of do. I I think with Herbert, look, he made some really really great throws in this game, and the, spe- the two throws that he made on the two drops were great throws as well. But I think with him, uh, the Patriots, it's almost a little bit like what they've done with like early career Josh Allen at times. Uh, the Patriots are confident in some ways that Herbert's not going to be able to just stand there and dice them up. Like he'll make some individually great throws like he did on Sunday, and he'll make like five to ten awesome quarterback plays per game. But is he going to be able to throw that well 25 times? against the defense and if we have tight coverage and we don't let him extend plays and we don't let him turn it into playground football and be, just be an athlete and make throws on the move and we keep him in the pocket we make him go through the progression is he going to consistently make throws on us against seven guys in coverage and in this game they had some drops they had some you know unfortunate stuff from Herbert's perspective sure uh, but I thought that they got him again in that sense like this they didn't blitz a whole lot in this game this was a let's rush four, let's drop seven into coverage. We're gonna help the Keenan Allen. We're gonna force him to one on ones the guys that we trust, like Kyle Duggar against uh, D- Donald. You know, I, I like Donald Parham. You do. He's the only spring football player you've ever liked. But uh, like, the Patriots will take that matchup. They'll take Kyle right. Duggar versus Donald Donald Parham one on one. They'll they'll take Quentin Johnson against J.C. Jackson because Quentin Johnson uh, predictably doesn't have any hands like it just has stone hands and 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 that's you know what you saw coming out of college too was was big ball skills issues you know contested throws tracking footballs things like that and uh i i just thought this was a really good performance and i i wanted to put it out there uh with the with the you know saying i i didn't crown him last week and against the colts so don't don't call in here and be like you know that oh you know that those performances were were all were all fake or all fluff or whatever. Uh, the Colts and the and the Giants they did not cover well in those games. I thought they covered really well in this game, and, and I think that they deserve the credit for it. Just quickly on the offense because we're going to talk about the offense, I'm sure for the next hour and a half uh, in, in different ways. I think the biggest uh, issue that I have now at the offense, Alex, and I, I'm wondering we haven't really talked about this a whole lot, and. I think last year at times we made Mac Jones a little bit of a sacred cow and kind of excused him for some of the things because of Matt Patricia. I don't want to do the same thing with Bill O'Brien. 
Bill O'Brien at this point, uh, we need to talk about Bill O'Brien because they are having a historically bad offensive season. This is the lowest scoring output the Patriots have put out, 12.5 points per game or 12.3 or whatever it is, since the Rod Rust year. Shout out Rod Rust. Which is probably the worst year in franchise history in terms of the Patriots. They were 1-15 with Rod Rust as the head one-and-done head coach. And by all accounts, that's the worst year in Patriots history. They've already doubled that win total this year. Yeah, so they are having an historically bad season. Uh, in terms of offense for this team. And when I watch their film on offense, uh, they are not a functional NFL offense at this point, Uh, to the point where not only have they dumbed down a lot of the things, like they're just running these like high school concepts with two receivers running go routes on the outside and Bailey Zappi just chucking it to Devontae Parker. Like that's not NFL offense. Like forget about all of like the screens on third down. No team in the NFL right now runs more screens on third and long than the Patriots. When the Patriots get into third and 10, they don't even try to throw the ball downfield. They're just screened well, to Devontae Parker and let's Is that the a ball. third and 10 thing? Or like how many teams throw more screens on second down or on first down? They just throw a lot of screens. I don't think it's situation dependent. Well, I mean, that, I'm just telling you that. That's I, no, no, stat. no. I, I, and I believe it. But I'm telling you, I bet if you, you said that's on third and 10, I'm telling you look up third and four or look up second and, and six or look up they throw, first a, and They 10 throw or, probably as many screen passes as anybody in the that, league. That's but what the, I'm saying. But the point being that on, on third down, Yes. The fact that they're throwing that many screens on anything that's basically above third and five, they've just can they just concede those downs. They concede them. Uh, their offensive line play is once again an issue. It was an issue against the Colts. I yeah. thought it was okay against the Giants, and now it's an issue again this week. I, I don't know who was out there at right tackle. That was not Mike. No, it was his worst game of the year. I mean, yeah. look. Khalil Mack found a time machine or something because he's a good let's, player. Let's tip our cap to, and this isn't to excuse Mike Unwinner. He did not have yeah. a good game, but yeah, the, you know those guys get paid too. Let's tip our cap to Khalil Mack. He had a great game, but you can't have that kind of performance from Mike Unwinner and, and and win. That's what you were getting from, you know, Calvin Anderson and Vidarian Lowe early in the year, and we saw how that went. And if yeah. Unwinner's going to play at that level, they're going to have massive problems. On O'Brien, I agree with you. I. It, it it feels like maybe his offense at its core was too complex. Yeah. And he's overcorrected. And we heard the reports over the summer after Bailey Zappi was cut that part of the issue was he couldn't comprehend Bill O'Brien's offense. And I think that's probably what you're seeing the results of that now where O'Brien can't necessarily run what he wants to run. Yeah, because, you know, not to cut you off, but to that point, Mac was so broken – Right. That that was out out the window towards the end with Mac, right? And they're running the slants and the screens and the two man concepts yeah. down the field because Mac w- was mentally just broken. And now they've gone to a quarterback in Bailey Zappi who probably just mentally can't handle that, regardless right. of how he his poise and all the the things that we talked about with Mac. And this isn't to I don't that's not to excuse Bill O'Brien. The yeah. point is, last year with Matt Patricia. It's not so much like yeah we we criticize Matt Patricia individually, but the bigger point and this I think this got across to some it didn't get across to all was you have a guy who doesn't know what he's doing yeah in the role he was a defensive coach Bill O'Brien knows what he's doing he's an offensive coach he should be able to figure out and he's a good one he should be able to figure out a happy medium between an offense that only Tom Brady could handle mentally and 
the Madden playbook. Yeah. There should be some sort of happy medium between there, and it just he just jumped from one to the other, and that's what you're seeing now is it's just it, they're, you're, you're almost back to the offense Patricia was running where there aren't a ton of route con- – it, it times up better. Like some of the logistical issues aren't there, but you're not seeing route combinations. You're not yeah. seeing setup plays and shot plays. It's just they're calling simple concepts to call simple concepts. There's no rhyme or reason to any of it. There's no play sequencing. It's, again, like you just – it's like Madden. There's three plays yeah, up there. You press X, A, or B, right? And that's yeah. what it is. They're yeah. going shark wheel or they're going four verts or they're going like any <laughs> – pick a Madden plane. I, there's not another offense in the NFL, and I – I watch this not to like toot my own horn, but I watch a lot of offensive football. You know, I, I watch three offenses a week, right? Because I watch the Patriots offense, I watch the opponent's offense, and then I watch the next opponent's offense, right? So I'm watching, or four, I guess, because I'm right. watching the other opponent's offense. We'll get to that in a second because, you know, we have to revisit something about about last week uh, and about the uh, the Steelers' opponent on offense last week. Who the Steelers play last week? Think about it for a second and come back to me. Uh, oh, the card. Oh, uh, oh, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. So the big thing, I, I watch four offenses a week. I do not see another offense in the NFL at this level of football doing two things. One, play action from under center with two go routes on the outside. That's it. That's the whole concept is just two go routes and just – Bailey Zappi, you pick which go route you like better. Maybe it's where the safety's tilting, or maybe you just like that matchup a little bit better. And we're just going to throw a jump ball to Devontae Parker. I'm That doesn't exist elsewhere in the NFL. The NFL is a speed and space league now, and scheme is related to, to space. Everything is, that gets designed in the league now is about getting fast guys, the ball, in space, and not in just – Tyquan Thornton just run a nine and see what happens, right? We're talking right. about actually scheming up opportunities to run into space and to run into pockets around the field. The other thing, in the second half of this game, Bill O'Brien was calling plays at the line of scrimmage from the sideline, college style. He had Bailey Zappi go to the line of scrimmage O'Brien was doing all of the pre-snap stuff for Bailey Zappi. Like, Bailey Zappi, go to the line of scrimmage, and then, you know, in college when all 11 guys look over to the sideline and they're holding yeah. up the boards? I I next I thought that they were going to bring out whiteboards oh, for Felger a Oh, Felger went on a rant about this the other day. It was funny. So, they, I thought they were going to bring out boards for a second. clap offense? Yeah, or, or, that's literally what – well, you can't clap in the NFL, but that's besides the point. That's I what, like the clap offense. The clap that's in cool. the NFL is a false start. I know it is, but yeah. it's, it looks cool. So – that that's where we were at in the second half and Bailey Zappi's individual performance and just in terms of his quarterback play was better than what they were getting from Mac Jones at the end simply because he wasn't a puddle and he wasn't turning the ball over like crazy right but with that being said if they go out there against Pittsburgh tomorrow night and I get it's a short week so it's it's a difficult week to add more to Bailey Zappi's plate but if they go out there tomorrow night against Pittsburgh and they run the same offense that they did against the Chargers, I seriously think that with the 10 days in between games, you have to consider going back. I do, because this is this is high school. Like They're running this offense down at Foxborough Okay, high. well, where's Malik Cunningham? Because I think we all thought, all right, Bailey Zappi will be able to move the ball better than Mac Jones because of what you said. Like, he's not broken. Yeah. But 
I think everybody got excited. Okay, and then they'll put Malik Cunningham in when they need to change it up and when they need that kind of spark, and they never did it. So I think that goes to your point of, all right, if you want to run the same offense, fine, run the same. And I think they're going to run the same offense, and I don't know how yeah. you feel, but I, I'm expecting it. Yeah. Can can I get a Malik Cunningham option play mixed in there at least to provide a spark or something? I think that's the part that is also so crazy about the Malik thing is that this offense is so stripped down that he could run this offense. Like, the, oh yeah. So Malik Cunningham can't throw a slant. Like, you, you, he could easily. Well, he wasn't run. practicing a quarterback for a month and a half, so who knows where his but timing's could, at with the receivers? But he could easily run this offense from like a mental, yes. like oh, schematic yes, standpoint. Yes, yes, he was doing more honestly from a dropback perspective at Louisville. And so it just – this is two years in a row now where we're having the same conversation about how the offense is not NFL caliber. It's not designed right. like an NFL offense. It's not executed like an NFL offense. And they don't have a quarterback that's an NFL starting quarterback. And at some point, you have to have people that are held accountable for this. And I know technically Matt Patricia was held accountable for what happened last year. Uh, but in, Well, his contract expired. In general, it goes – it goes. It's higher up than Matt Patricia at this point, and I. I know we're all pointing at the same guy because it's his football operations. Yep. He said it's all. It, you put that responsibility on me. I forget the exact words, but something and like that. It, it, it just. I can't watch it anymore. I, I can't watch. I can't watch a high school offense in the NFL. I can't watch receivers that can't get open, and the one guy that can't get open in Taekwon Thornton drops the ball when he does get open, and they have three guys running routes in this offense and Parker, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Hunter Henry that wear coverage. They are constantly covered. And the only option for the quarterback is just to throw into a tight window and hope the guy makes a play on the ball, whether it's a jump ball down the field or it's a dig route over the middle. And you saw that, you know, the one play that was almost intercepted that Bailey Zappi threw in that game was because he had to throw a tight window pass to Devontae Parker. It was very, very similar play in concept to the pick that Mac threw against the commanders at the end of the game. And this is just what we're doing over and over and over again. And if they don't completely revamp that side of the football, then I don't know what we're doing here. Or I, I really seriously don't understand what we're doing here. Uh, it's frustrating to watch. It, it just – I can't do it anymore. I can't continue to pull up film on this offense and watch them look like an absolute joke on that side of the football. And I, it, it has to be put that way because it's that, it's that strong. Like they are the worst offense in football. They're the worst offense in the league. Like at least with – the Panthers you see these individual flashes with Bryce Young where okay if they put this kid in a better situation and they put some things around him like he'll be okay I don't know if he's ever going to be better than CJ Stroud and they might have made the wrong pick there Uh, but he's Uh, they did but he's going to be better uh, than what he's shown so far in the league sure they don't have any semblance of of that they have no hope Bryce Young provides the Panthers with hope if they hire a good offensive coach, he'll be fine. The Patriots don't have any sort of hope. And I think with Bailey Zappi, just to to wrap it on this, Bailey Zappi played better than Mac in a lot of ways because of the reasons I mentioned. But there's still so many instances where you just notice that arm talent, physical ability, it just it's not NFL starting caliber. And he has some 
he's got some good footwork and like ability to get out of pressure yeah. and like he's a decent mover and you know Mac's got cement feet like Mac gets stuck at the top of the drop and and just kind of hangs there and that's why he gets killed sometimes. Bailey Zappi can move around a little bit, but he doesn't have any ability to throw off platforms. So him moving around is what does it do you? He can scramble like he, he did right. on that third down, but. If he moves around and then he has to make a throw on the move, we saw Hunter Henry wide open coming across the field on that throw early on in the game, and he throws it, you know, three yards behind him. Right. Like he doesn't have the arm talent to make something happen once he gets outside the pocket. So that that's a, a big issue with him that's holding him back. I also thought some of the decisions that he made, some of the jump balls that he threw, there were probably better options on some of those plays, uh, de- you know, shorter uh, options, intermediate options. But in general, like there's there's just so many times where he gets out of the pocket. You know, there's one play in particular I'm thinking of where he gets out of the pocket and Juju Smith-Schuster notices that he gets out of the pocket and he's he's running. And Juju Smith-Schuster just turns up the field and runs down the sideline, and he's behind the defense and he's wide open. But Bailey Zappi doesn't have the arm talent to get the ball there. So he ends up just throwing the ball away. And I don't kill him for throwing the ball away because right. it's the right decision. And for him, that's the right decision. But if you have a quarterback, you know, the other guy on the other side, Justin Herbert's throwing a 60-yard touchdown on that play. And and those types of things are just what what's holding his offense back a little bit. The the la- the fourth down play, to yeah. Hunter Henry at the end of the game. Hunter Henry is open in the middle of the field. Yeah. But because Bailey Zappi doesn't have the arm talent to roll to his right and then off platform just flick it to the middle of the field to Hunter Henry, he's got to reset the pocket. He moves to his right, gets his feet set again, and then throws the ball. And by the time he does that, the window's closed and it's too late. Those are the little plays that. Would this offense be averaging thirty yards a game, uh, thirty points a game with a better quarterback? No, uh, but those are the types of plays that you see on the film that get left on the field because they don't have a quarterback that can make those types of throws, and that's why we're talking about Caleb Williams and Drake May and Jaden Daniels and all these other guys because those guys can make those types of throws. Right? Yeah. No, absolutely. I'd agree with you. I thought again, Zappy's pocket presence was good. I thought his ability to extend plays was good, but he could extend the play in the pocket. He couldn't necessarily do anything once he extended it. Yeah. And he also didn't sense pressure. And like he would sense it well in the pocket, but there were times where I think he was surprised by rushers, the arm talent. You mentioned, look, like I I think he's competing to be the backup next year, which you need a backup quarterback. Again, we talked about, they have a laundry list. If you know, all right, Bailey Zappi is going to be our backup. Good. Good. That's, that's one less thing you have to worry about. But, um, yeah, I just thought as a whole, uh, not not a ton there that you look at and you're like, wow, this is like so different. This is so much better. So No, it, it wasn't at all. All right, let's do there three. Was some, there was something else you, you were talking about early with Parker, something, and I forget what I was going to Just say. He, he's never open. I don't remember. No, it was something about like the, it was something about throwing a sideline. I don't remember. Whatever. I'll say it on Patriots beat later. Uh, oh, good. Thanks. Uh, good, good plug, though. Good plug. Uh, let's do. Three. I plug this show on there all the time. Let's do three up, three down, and uh, and then we'll get to the calls and the emails and everything, and open it up to you guys. Uh, so let's start with ups because you know we're we're a positive show. We started on a positive yeah. note. We're complimenting sandwiching this game right now. No, we we started with me ripping Brandon Staley. Okay, well that that's still a compliment <laughs> sandwich because it's not Brandon Staley is not the Patriots head coach. Not so yet. all right, uh, let's start with the ups. Uh, my number one up, I combined both these guys because I thought that they were both really good in this game. I agree with you that long-term free safety is still a big need. Yeah. And uh, they've had their issues covering the deep part of the field this year. 
Uh, but Jabril Peppers and Kyle Duggar both played a really good game in this one. We throw Jalen Mills in there as well. Yeah, he was he was yeah. good too. Uh, Jabril Peppers and Kyle Duggar uh, played great game, passing off stuff down the field. They kept the top on the defense extremely well against a really talented quarterback that can throw the ball and chuck it eighty yards if he wants to. Uh, they made impact plays near the line of scrimmage uh both those guys were really good in coverage in this game though and I think that's something that hasn't always been the case especially for for Duggar this year playing a lot more center field and things like that uh they had a really high level rep in the high reds on the one time or it was kind of it was the 20 yard line the league doesn't count that as the red zone the 20 yard line yeah I know it's inside the it's 20 inside the 20 so uh it's kind of like how 12 a.m comes before 11 59 a.m that sort of thing Sure. Yeah. It does. Think about it. 12 a.m. comes before 11.59. Does it? Yeah. What? Yeah. What do you mean it comes before? Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Because you think okay. you'd go 11.59, 12. <laughs> what? But he does these things to me, and I just like have to think about that's it. That's like I'm a like, thing. I don't know. Uh, no, I, I get you now. That's why people <laughs> use military time. They had this uh, this play uh, from the 20-yard line that I, I put in after further review that I really loved where, uh, you know, the, the number – they have a three-by-one side, and the number three receiver on the inside slot, he runs a deep over route. And Jabril Peppers and Kyle Duggar pass off the deep over. Jabril Peppers leverages it from the other side of the formation. And then Kyle Duggar falls off his original assignment and gets into the seam window to Keenan Allen. And uh, Justin Herbert had to throw the outside fade on Jonathan Jones, and Jonathan Jones breaks the pass up. Right? Like those types of plays of just – exchanging guys in the deep part of the field and understanding where the threats are. Uh, They weren't necessarily doing that at a high level, I thought, against the Colts and the Giants. Uh, This game, they did it at a really high level. Both those guys uh, played a little little DMAC back there. You know, they were both really good in this game. Uh, I I would just add in Peppers. I was glad to see him play, start, play most of the game. We know that guys have kind of ended up in the doghouse at times this year, and yeah. good to see Oh, that, because of the mic'd up thing. Because of the mic'd up thing. Yeah. Good to see that that's not – not that I thought it would be, but you get the confirmation there that that's not. So yeah. I thought that was good. Yeah. You know, who's your first up? Or I know you don't put it in order like I ask you to. So. Um, yeah, it was it was the safeties. I thought all yeah. all the safeties played very well. Um, I guess I'll throw I'll throw in Miles Bryant too. Yeah, I, he had a couple competitive plays against yeah. Keenan Allen, which he is did. not a good matchup for him. Again, let's stop putting five nine corners on guys that are six three. I know they yeah. don't have a ton of options, but yeah, yeah, uh, I thought Miles Bryant was also very competitive in this game. I did too. Uh, Miles Bryant was my second up, and I know okay. people are going to kill me for this because of the last play of the game, and oh, he's always there when these big plays happen. Uh, he was in really tight coverage on that play, and it's a really good throw. I'm sorry, like just go watch it. His hand is like in the passing lane, extended, and like the ball just kind of grazes right past his hand and into Alex Erickson's lap. Like it's just a great throw by a great quarterback. He was involved in so many different uh, coverage calls on Keenan Allen in this game, whether it was man-to-man against Keenan Allen, like you mentioned. You know, they played a a, a decent amount of cloud coverage where they had a guy above Keenan Allen and below him, you know, high-lowing him uh, to take him out of the progression. And nine times out of ten, the guy underneath Keenan Allen was Miles Bryant. You know, he wears a lot of different hats in this defense. He covers a lot of space in this defense. He plays a lot of different roles. He's in one of the toughest spots to play in the league. Like nickel in the NFL is the hardest position to play on defense in my mind, because you have to cover inside, outside, you have to zone, you have to man, you have to run fit. Like you have to do so many different things from that spot uh, that it's becoming, I don't know if like the league is sort of, they're not reflecting it in terms of what guys are making quite yet. Uh, but I think defensive coaches that understand uh, defensive football at a high level are understanding that having a good nickel 
or a star or whatever you call it in your defense is probably one of the most important positions on the defense to fill. And for those reasons, Miles Bryant is one of those guys that has the intelligence on a football IQ level uh, to wear all those different hats. So I'm not trying to sit here and tell you that Miles Bryant's good in man coverage. He, he gets beat a lot in man coverage. I, I get that, and that's a weakness of his game. Uh, but the fact is that they ask him to do so many different things, and he does them all at a decent competitive level. And in this game, he was he was really good. I know he got beat on the last play of the game. In my mind, that play was a really competitive play that the quarterback just made a really good throw on. And I'd also say, like, if they stop him, does it like the Patriots offense was going to score anyways? Like the game was over. Like right. the, the Patriots offense was in the in the hole, and the game was over. Uh, who else you got? Well, for, I'll just say it. Again. I've said it before on Miles Bryant. I'll say it again. Like he he plays a valuable role for the defense. Sometimes I think they make that role a little too big, but. Like you said, he's asked to do a lot of things, and he does most of them well. Yeah. Uh, I, I know it's going to be weird to have an offensive player, but I thought Ezekiel Elliott, you know, had a big workload playing hurt with Ramondre Stevenson out, and he was good. He looks like kind of like classic Zeke. He's the, the play he made where Zappi overthrows him on the screen, which overthrew him on a screen. But Zappi overthrows him on a screen. He goes out, bobbles the ball, catches it, quickly gets his head around, recognizes the defenders, drags two guys for the first down. Like, that's awesome play. That is awesome running back play. And I know your thing, their running backs are interchangeable. Most running backs do not make the play. Ezekiel Elliott made on that screen. And you would yeah. say, well, they lost the game anyway. What does well, it matter? No, no. It in was, a functional catch. offense, that kind of play helps. He, he's, he stunk in pass protection, though. Okay, that's fair. But he, I just. He, he was really bad in pass look, protection. Look, they need to run the ball. They need to be running the ball. And he still looks like he can run it. I know a lot of people are seeing him and they're like, hey, like bring him back next year and, and it'll help. I don't know that it's just that easy. Like you're getting him back next year for like one year, three million. I think yeah. he's going to be in demand next year. I think there's going to be teams that want him. There's definitely a lot more juice with Zeke as a ball carrier than I than I thought there was go- going to be. And I like the signing. I I, yeah. I, I praised the signing at the time. I, I thought it was a solid signing. Uh, in pass protection, you know, assignment blown on the Derwin James sack. Got well, run- everybody blew the got, assignment on the Derwin James well, sack. No, it wasn't just him. No, it was just him. There's like it's ten guys to point at him. Yeah, but it's his responsibility. Like they, it's his guy. All right, fair. I get what you're saying. And and then he got ran over on another one that he get, like literally just got run over and, by Khalil Mack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was tough. Uh, but I, I agree with you as a runner and as a ball carrier on screens. He's been a really good screen back, like one of the best in terms of efficiency on screens. As much as we rag on all the screens, yeah. uh, slip screens to Zeke Elliott has been a thing. Well, look, if like, you're gonna that, do it, you productive. might as well be good at it, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, uh, last one for me. Uh, you hold. Austin Eckler to under two yards per carry. I got to give a shout out to Devon Godshaw. Right. I, I thought Devon Godshaw was really good in this game. I, I I talked to him after the game. Andrew Callahan did as well. I thought his comments were were super candid and like finally somebody on defense is just calling a spade a spade and saying, "Look, we're doing our thing on this side of the football and we can't score, and that's why we're losing games." And it's a very uh, fair criticism of the team. Uh, he was great in this game. You single block Devon Godshaw. It's he wins almost every time in the run game. Uh, double teams holding up in the on the double teams. Their ability to stop the run in this game was big. I, it really turned the Chargers into a one-dimensional team in a rainy conditions and put the game uh, on the receivers to make catches for Herbert, which they obviously couldn't do. Uh, so I, I really liked uh, that game there. They're the best run defense in the NFL. For for whatever that's worth, like being I don't know what being the best run defense in the NFL is worth in 2023, uh, but DVOA number one in the league, yep. EPA number one in the league, uh, they have the best run defense in the league. 
And if you're the nose tackle of the best run defense in the league, then you deserve some credit. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. Any more? Uh, no. Yeah, I got a long list uh, on the other side, okay. so let's let's do that. Uh, number one down for me, I, I love Mike Onwenu. I, I love Mike Onwenu. He's a good football player. Uh, this was his worst game I've seen as a Patriot for him. This was his worst game I've ever seen. I, I don't know if he was not feeling well. Like, there's that, like, bug going around the locker room. I don't know if something was going on with him. So, I, I have that, that looked more like Vidarian Lowe at right tackle than it did Michael Onwenu, which is it's shocking to me. I think the one the one thing that if we're just calling it as we see it and not thinking about any of the off-field health-related things that could have been going on with him and just saying he was healthy, he was 100%, yeah. and he just stunk, uh, I think the one thing that stood out was that Cleo Mack used a lot of like inside-out like crossover-type moves on him. And I think Cleo Mack on film probably said – if I can get him into some space and get him to have to move his feet and redirect and slide with me, you know, he's a guard and he's not going to be right. able to mirror me all the way out there. So Cleo Mack was running, uh, rushing from like a seven or even sometimes almost a wide nine technique. And then he was just getting Mike on when on this Island. And then he has like a two way go on him at that point. And on when he just didn't have the foot speed and the dire- change of direction skill to be able to mirror him inside and outside. So, uh, Khalil Mack took his lunch money. Like, there's no doubt about that. A uh, season-high five quarterback pressures allowed by Onwenu. Uh, gave up a sack. Probably should have given up another sack, but Bailey Zappi was able to dance out of it. Uh, this was a tough watch for Onwenu, and certainly one uh, that gives you pause about, is he a tackle? You know, we had that conversation last week. Right. I don't know if he's a tackle after this game. He's going to get T.J. Watt tomorrow night. Yeah, so, so let's see if he bounces back. Let's see if he bounces back. Yeah, I no, he didn't he didn't play well. Uh my number one down was the offensive coaching staff. And we already talked yeah. about a lot of this. I thought the game plan was vanilla. Uh we didn't see Malik Cunningham in, in the game, which I thought was questionable. The uh the decision I I guess this is a coaching staff as a whole, just not offensive. And I I know people are gonna be like, They're trying to lose, they're tanking, they're yeah, all about yeah. the tank. <laughs> no, they're not. Bill O'Brien is not this was supposed to be his chance to reset himself after a rough year at Alabama and get back in the head coaching position. They get the ball with two and a half minutes to go inside their own 20. Yeah. You got to go. Yeah. You got to go. You got to go down. You win the game with a touchdown. They're huddling up. They ran the ball on three of the first five plays. They're just letting that thing tick, 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 until they get around midfield. And now all of a sudden there's like a minute left. Oh, we got to go. And they have Bailey Zappi throwing down the field, which is not a recipe for success. Three incompletions in a row to end the drive. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing that they were as casual as they were at the end of that game. No, I do not believe they are in on the tank. That's not really how anything works. Um, So, I, I just, that, Cunningham, all of it, I we covered a lot of it at the beginning. I didn't think the offensive coaching staff was good in this game. Yeah, that's fair. All right, uh, number two for me, I'm combining both left tackles, Trent Brown and Connor McDermott. Yeah, it's fair. Both of them are terrible in this game. Could have just done offensive line. You yeah. really want to Well, because the interior guys were kind of good. Okay, the, fair the, enough. Yeah, the interior okay. Uh, Cole Strange, I thought was okay. David Andrews, I thought was really good in this game. And, and he had one missed block. There was one run on third down where he he pulled and he just ran right by the guy. Oh no! Well, that was Cole Strange. Was it Cole Strange? So okay. I th- I always operate. I say you this know this P- stuff better than me. I say this on PU all the time. I always operate under the assumption that David Andrews is always right. That's fair. You right? know what? Honestly, so okay. David Andrews pulls Cole Strange. It's a pin pull, right? The, yeah. the guard's supposed to pin the guy inside so that Cole Strange can pull out in front of it. It's a pin pull sweep. 
and uh, and Cole Strange didn't pin. <laughs> so so the one tech okay, just fair. comes right through. I trust and you. And I'm just ugh, the the mental mistakes. I really feel this way about Cole. This was supposed to be about the tackles. I'll get back to the tackles just really quick. I really feel this way about Cole Strange. Physically, physically, technique-wise, play strength, his film is better than it was as a rookie. He's gotten better. He has. If he doesn't figure out the mental issues in in uh, in terms of assignments and and things like that, uh, he's not going to make it long term as a starter in the league. He right now his the biggest thing holding Cole Strange back is is the mental side of the game. He's not seeing it fast enough, and he's not reacting to it fast enough. He's getting baited out of gaps because guys are flashing in front of him and things like that. If he can figure out how to how to get himself buttoned up in that respect, he's going to be a starting yeah. guard in the NFL. Uh, he just isn't there yet. Uh, on the tackles, Connor McDermott's Connor McDermott. It, he is who he is. He's not a he's not a starting tackle in the NFL. Right. We know that. Uh, Trent Brown at this point, like the given F factor with Trent Brown is 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 a problem. I I don't know of how much Trent Brown is pulling on the rope anymore at two and ten. Now it's starting to get cold. You know, like it, it's starting to get late in the year. Bumps and bruises. He's got the ankle. Yeah. He's back on the injury report with the chest injury. No, now it's a hand. Or whatever hand, whatever it is. I, I think at this point with Trent Brown, and I, I mean this as a person that's defended him in the past, he has playing time incentives. He has game day roster bonuses in his contract. If he plays a certain amount of games, he's going to get paid. That's where his head's at. It, he's, he's getting himself to a point where he's active in the game, so that he can hit his his roster bonuses because the way that he's playing is like a guy that doesn't give an f like he just let Khalil Mack on on the sack he didn't even get out of his stance he just let right. Khalil Mack run right around him and, and, and it just it's not competitive uh, we talked about this last year draft one sign one all the offseason shows we did about the tackles they're right back to square one with the tackle position yep. they need two new tackles yep and sick Good, good, good planning by the GM. Not a good on spot to be. Yeah, not a good. I say this all the time. Tackle is one of the toughest positions to add uh, in the NFL. Adding a tackle, I don't know, Evan. Would you agree with me on this? Adding like a like a starting caliber tackle, whether that means a guy who can start in the draft or like a free agent who's not Riley Reef, not Calvin Anderson. Like this yeah. guy is going to start for us. Is the second biggest undertaking for an NFL team in an offseason behind quarterback? It's tough because I would argue it's easier to get a starting caliber wide receiver than it is a starting caliber. Yeah, tackle. oh yeah. I mean, definitely just because of the supply at this right. point. So you now tough. have to add a quarterback, which is yep. the biggest, the toughest position to add. Yep. A tackle, which is the second toughest. And then a tackle again, which is the second toughest. And then you also have to deal with the wide receiver position somehow. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, the tackle spot's a big issue, and you look across the league. This is one thing I know Bedard has said on on your station a lot, and I, I agree with with his point here. If you look across the league at the best offenses, you know Philly, San Francisco, Detroit, all those offenses are built up front. Like they all yep. have great offensive line play, and if you don't fix the offensive line going into next year and you put Drake May behind this current offensive line, I know he's athletic. I know he can move around. He's going to get sped up again. He's going to yeah. It's we, gonna, we're going to be back and the, they can draft yep. any quarterback they want if you're putting them behind calvin anderson and vidarian lowe's your two tackles we're going to be right back here in three years yep i, I couldn't I, agree more no quarterback is immune to getting sped up yeah none all right some of them recover better than others but none's immune to it so i got a couple more all right uh i put bailey zappy on here yeah we already kind of talked it about just it. wasn't good just enough play. Yeah. it just wasn't good enough yeah. uh Devontae parker Devontae parker you are supposed to be a contested catch guy 
That's why you're here. Can you win one? 80-20. 80-20. So he was, he was targeted five times in this game. He made one out of five. 20%. What? Yeah. He had like five catches. No, I'm talking about the contested catch. Oh, contested catch. catch. Like okay. jump okay. ball I, yeah, down yeah, the yeah, field. Yeah, I get what you're okay. He made that one back shoulder catch along the sideline. That's 20%. That's 80-20. <laughs> in the wrong direction. <laughs> He's 80-20. never open. I think. He never gets actually open. Everything is in a contested tight window for the quarterback, and he he doesn't even make the jump ball catches either. He had one uh, along the sideline, and I get it's raining. Everybody's dropping passes, but it just goes right through his hands. Like, it, it's right on his hands, and it goes right through his hands. Uh, I can't. These receivers, I mentioned Juju and Henry in this category as well earlier on the show. Th- those guys just absolutely wear coverage. All there was a off. chart yesterday somebody put out on Twitter. Um, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but uh, it's one of those. It's, this is your kind of thing. Yeah. And it's um, separation against routes, co- routes against single coverage, like percentage yeah. of routes against single coverage and facing uh, uh, separation facing single coverage is the yeah. other axis. Uh, I, I guess we can't really show Javante Parker's faced more routes against single coverage than anybody in the league. And he's gotten open less than probably four or five guys. He's yeah, there in that yeah, top quadrant. Yeah, I've seen the, the chart. And, yeah, but I will say, also on the chart, side note, Demario Douglas, the only guys getting open more than Demario Douglas against single coverage, Garrett Wilson, Mike Evans, Justin Watson, Tankdale. Yeah, so you got some positives. Uh, but with Devontae Parker, you know, they, they X-ISO him all the time. Yeah. He's ex-receiver. They put him on, on his side of the formation. They X-ISO. They get that press man one-on-one, and he can't get open. Whether it's a slant, whether it's a go, everything's contested. Everything's always, you know, close to an interception as it is close to a, a reception. It's inefficient, bad, archaic, 30 years ago type of offense. Like, that. that's what that is. And uh, they they need to upgrade that spot. Yeah. Like, he can't be the X receiver well, next year. He's probably going to be here because they paid him. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, a couple people here wanted DeAndre Hopkins in that role. and. He's couple been people pretty good but a few i i heard about yeah about that. i uh it it's and, and zappy clearly likes him zappy clearly likes yeah because so Parker. i thought about this uh, last year against cleveland for i think it was the opening drive of the game zappy threw him a jump ball and parker made like a ridiculous contested catch okay and ever since then i think he has this like confidence like in it's just gonna happen again yeah yeah so parker's gonna get more chances here down the stretch, and we'll yeah. see what he does, and maybe he turns it around. But but Zappy and I, Parker also had that comment during the week to Chris Price of the Boston Globe that yeah. Zappy throws with more zip yeah. than Mac Jones, which was interesting. So those two guys clearly there's some sort of chemistry there. What it's going to amount to, I guess, we'll have to see. Mid is what it is. Wow, uh, team employee. Are. <laughs> yeah, I I didn't think Parker was Shots was fired. very good. I I thought I don't know. I didn't think he was terrible. No, but he definitely wasn't. They're great. not listening. It's fine. Okay, he, he, I, I didn't think he was terrible, but like I, I going into the game, he wasn't terrible. But it just was like you're here to make those types of catches, and it's it for me. It was more, and I didn't know the number about the contested catches. So yeah. You just said that. That kind of reframes my point. But it was more like you knew going in, Zappy liked him. Yeah, you, he 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 was besides Jacoby, who was just it, it was the function of the offense. Bailey Zappi targeted Devontae Parker last year more than anybody else, and he targeted him this year in the games he came into more than anybody else when Parker was still in the game. Yeah. It's like you're the X receiver. You're you're the number one. He's the number one receiver right now. Yeah. With Kendrick Bourne out, he's the number one. He's that guy. Like yeah. you said, he's the X. It's like, dude, you're 
it's your job to win the game. It's your job to take this young quarterback and hold his hand and lead him through this game. And he just, he didn't do enough of that. The one that really bothered me was the one on the sideline where, and he was out. It was the right call. Like, he rolls over the defender yeah, yeah. and his foot, like, body, con- this is supposed to be an elite body control wide receiver. Yeah, he also dogs it on the route. Right. Jogging down so that was going to be my thing. I just think overall, put more effort into that play. Yeah. That was one where I was like, he's not really, like, he supposedly really likes Bailey Zappi. Okay, you want yeah. this guy to remain the starter? Yeah. Go all out for him. Play for him. There were all these people who were saying, oh, the team hates Mac. They're going to play so much harder for Bailey Zappi. I didn't didn't see it from Parker. Yeah, no. Not that he was playing hard for Mac, but I didn't see it from Parker. Uh, so for I, Zappi. I was reluctant to to put Taekwon on this list because as, as unfortunate as the deep ball was and – He's got to improve the, his ball skills there. As unfortunate as that drop was, I was reluctant to put him on the list because he was like the only guy all game long that actually got open a little bit. Just in terms of watching the film, I put up a like a, a kind of a little clip, of, uh, you know, thirty seconds of of some routes that he ran in the game. I thought that he was open like four or five times down the field and probably could have had a pretty big game if the ball had found him, if he had made the catch. I think you're looking at a guy when you add, what was it, 39 yards on the end around. If he catches the deep ball, like he might have had over 100 yards in this game if he gets the ball. Right. So I was reluctant to put him on the list because of that. But at the same time, like Taekwon to me is like a perfect example of everything that's wrong with their passing offense outside the quarterback. And that is that they have this guy, this this 428 track athlete yep. that can run like the wind. Uh, do you remember the movie The Replacements? Of course. All right, you know Clifford Franklin? It's one of my favorite movies, yeah. <laughs> He's Clifford Franklin. What if I told you I have a Shane Falco jersey? That's awesome. I do. That's sick. Yeah. I, I'm surprised. I thought you would roll your eyes at that. No, I love that movie. It's an amazing movie. Maybe I'll bring it in next week. Chicks dig scars. I mean, come Chicks on. Chicks dig scars, pain heals, glory. Wait, no, it's pain heals, chicks dig scars, glory uh, is forever, right? Yeah, it, it's just, it's corny and it's awful, but it's it's amazing at the those, same time. Those are all the things you hate, though. I, I It's a football movie. I mean, it, it helps. It helps that it's a football movie. Uh, so that, okay. Sorry, we have to do this real quick because I don't <laughs> think we've ever done this. Top three football movies. Oh, God. Uh, Remember the Titans is definitely in the top three. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not putting these necessarily in order. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Remember Titans is definitely up there. Um, man. So here's the thing for me. There's four movies that belong. Yeah, Longest Yard. Oh, see, that's not my top three. I think it's up there. It's up there. It might might be my top five. I don't know. It's in my top three. Okay. Uh, this is this is tough. So I actually I have the replacements at four. <laughs> the Price is a great it. movie. It's such a good movie, but it is good. remember the Titans. Yeah. I love Friday Night Lights, dude. That's the such movie a good, the, the movie. So the TV show is really good too. The movie is better than the TV show. That is my hot take. The TV that show is a has hot take. The TV show has nothing to do with football. It's just a drama. There's no football in the show. I watched okay. the show. There's, there's no there's, football. There's football. All right, which is good. It's not that much football. Right. The movie is about Co- football. Co- Coach Taylor in the show is much better than than the movie. Oh, Coach don't Taylor. do Billy Bob Thornton like I'm that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He's oh, better. I don't know. He's better. I don't He's know. He's better. Okay, Mika Kelly. Like, come yeah. on. Like, prime Mika Kelly. Can't I'm, not, go wrong. I'm not saying it's a bad TV show. I am saying as somebody who is watching for football, the movie is better than the yeah, show. I, I agree with that. That's my take. <laughs> I do agree and with that. And then the third one. Yeah. And, and this is probably my number one. Yeah. 
any given Sunday. The that Al, is a great movie. The Al Pacino too. speech. And, and Willie Beeman is a great Will, character. Willie Beeman. So I, I put this on. Character. Maybe I should do this again. I put this on Twitter a couple years ago. Yeah. And I said, who is, uh, I just said, like, I threw it out to people, favorite fictional football yeah. player. Oh, yeah. Willie fa- I, no, fa- I said favorite fake quarterback. Willie a Beeman. bunch of people said Taysom Hill, which was very funny. But <laughs> it was all either either Willie Beeman or Alex Moran. I, Willie Beeman is, can the Patriots draft Willie Beeman? Will Willie he be Beeman. like how old now? But, I mean, he'd be like Jaden Daniels, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah there Will, is some Will, of that. Will, Willie Beeman's fantastic. And then honorable mention to um, uh, Gridiron Gang's really movie. Yeah, though, Gridiron Gang's. I was going to say Gridiron, Gridiron Gang. Gang's up there. Because that, that's always on like FX and like those yeah. channels. Like, the scene we where The kids. Rock comes out and all the pads. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good it's That's a, a really good it's one. It's a good but. movie. Uh, you don't like that movie? And you forgot the water boy. Oh, the water, oh, the water yeah, boy's up there. Good. The water boy is The fantastic. water boy's up there. I, do, do you consider um, Forrest Gump a football movie? No. I don't either. There's Somebody got mad at me once. There, there's one football scene. How is that a football so, movie? The one I know. It's like lo- calling Die Hard a Christmas movie. It's ridiculous. Well, I, when I start that, I, I do <laughs> say Happy Gilmore's a hockey movie as much as a golf movie. But um, people who are going to say Rudy. Rudy doesn't do it for, like it's a it's a good movie, but Rudy, it's touching, but it's not. It, it doesn't do it. Yeah, I think it's the problem slow. is I saw it too young. Yeah, and I didn't get it, and yeah. so it's forever. Yeah, Water, like it's a good Water movie. Boy's a good shout. Water Boy's Rudy. up there, but no, my top three are any given Sunday. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> remember the Titans. Any given Sunday, remember the Titans. Friday Night Lights. Okay, and then and then That's very great. very very close fourth is the replacements. Which to back. Okay, to your point. so back to my point is that Tyquan Thornton is Clifford Franklin. And if people don't know the movie, Clifford Franklin is the fastest man alive, right? He, I think he's literally a track runner that yeah. they signed to play football, Yeah, so right? he is at, he absolutely flies. Like, we're talking, like, 10-second, 100-meter type of guy, right? But he can't catch. He doesn't have any hands. So at the end of the movie, they need a big play, and they're like, we need you to just run by somebody and make this catch, and we have we need this play right now. So they put Stickum on his hands, and they, they don't just put Stickum on his hands. The, I and mean, he's they... out there like this, and it's like dripping down his hands and everything like that. And he he ends up making the big catch, and he goes to give the ball back to the referee, and the referee like can't, they can't get, get it off his hand. Get it off his <laughs> it's hand. Like stuck to him. Yeah, I think they get like a hammer and they try right or so, something. So obviously. <laughs> can't you movie. can't you stick them you know like jerry rice did uh so you can't use stick them uh but the point is is that taekwon thornton has all the ability in the world to be a productive nfl deep threat he's got the speed he can release at the line of scrimmage like he showed on that one rep uh, he's got all of the tools to be an a legit nfl deep threat and when i say legit nfl deep threat i'm not saying he's tyree kill right like Let's come down a, n- a couple notches, like right. Marquez Valdez Scantling, you know, someone like that who's not he a great player. Can't really catch either, right? Not a great player, but a productive player when used correctly in the right offense. And to me, Tyquan Thornton is a microcosm of a couple things. One, he doesn't have a quarterback that can get him the ball. That's a big thing. Yeah, he doesn't have a quarterback that can get him the ball downfield. Two, he's not in an offense that really invites those types of plays like it is not a deep vertical passing offense where there's going to be a lot of volume for him to just run those types of routes and number three this he makes the same mistakes whether it's ball skills route running whatever over and over and over again to the point where again we have to go back to Troy Brown and be like are you coaching him you know what what are you coaching him on are you coaching him on the right things this is a guy that should be out on the practice field 
practicing over the shoulder catches for two straight hours. Like just that's all he should right. be doing. Just practicing over and over and over again. And I, I just you have to he's got the ability to be a useful player in this offense. And I think the things that are holding him back are consistency. And I think the consistency is not just on Tyquan Thornton. Like I think that's on everybody. The the coaching, the scheme, the quarterbacks, I think everybody is making it so that he's not consistently a threat because his speed plays every single week. Yeah. When you turn on the film, he is fast. He is running by people or he's making people respect it and all those types of things, and they just can't get him the ball. And, and that, that, I think, is a full organizational issue. It's not just on Tyquan Thornton. So that's why I was reluctant to put him on my downs, but he obviously had a big play in the game that was a down. People in the comments have some movies we forgot. Like what? Marshall. No. We are Marshall. It's a good movie. It's a good movie, but it's not in that tier. Yeah. Um, And it's also not about football. Invincible? No. Yeah. Definitely not. No. Uh, this is, I, I guess I, it is a football movie. I don't know why I didn't think of this because this is a good movie. I wouldn't put it in my top three. Jerry Maguire. It is. That's a great movie. Drew Bledsoe's in Jerry Maguire. Uh, he is in Jerry Maguire. Yeah. I, I love Jerry Maguire, but that's all. That's more like an agent movie than it is a football yeah, movie. Yeah, that could be about any sport. It happens yeah. to be football players. Yeah. And no, we didn't say draft day for a reason. Oh, God. No. No. Draft day's awful. <laughs> all right, we got to get to these calls. These people have been waiting on hold forever. Right. Uh, if he's still there, Eddie is in L.A. What's up, Eddie? Eddie. Yo, hey. What's up, guys? Thanks for waiting. Hi, How are you doing? Nah, I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so what I want to talk about is um, so obviously every, like, new head coach, new coordinator that come in, like, they like their own guys in the draft. And, with and like, seeing how important the, this draft is going to be for the future of the team, do you guys think that Kraft already has a plan for who's going to come in, who's going to go out? And... Because I, I, yeah, like I said, I think it's really important to know, so you like, so you can be prepared for what this team's gonna look like in the future. If you guys kind of get where I'm going here. Yeah, no, it's a fair question, Eddie, and it's one that I think about a lot. Thanks for the call and thanks for waiting. Uh, just about, we talk about the draft a lot, and we're probably gonna talk about the draft here in the second hour a lot. Who's drafting? Who they're drafting for? The offense that they're drafting for. You know, all that type of right. stuff makes this hard to do this right now. Now, we can talk about the prospects, and we will, just in general, about their traits and about their strengths and weaknesses. But, like, let me give you an example. If you're going to build a Bill O'Brien offense, then Michael Penix is not your guy. No. Michael Penix is a vertical passer, right? Like, he should be in a bombs-away vertical passing offense like they run in Washington. That's not Bill O'Brien's offense. If you're running Bill O'Brien's offense, then you want, like, the precision guy, right? The guy that can pick you apart underneath, the guy that is going to get the ball out, that type of quarterback. Ugh, don't make me say who that is. Who is it? It's Bo Nix, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. Uh. A little bit. So uh, th- that that's the difference, right? Uh, but with that being said, in terms of the, uh, the question about the draft, too, I-, I think it's also important to remember, not always, but nine times out of ten, the scouting staff – from the old regime still stays on through the draft right because you can't just completely is Zoe doing a zoism over yeah, there i heard him yelling yeah uh you can't just completely start from scratch in january with with a brand new scouting staff and a brand new right. board and a brand new process it the, so much goes on in the scouting world in the fall in the season 
where guys are on the road, guys are at schools. You know, Macro was at Michigan, Ohio State, you know, for the, the regular season game. There's so much that goes on in those types of things with area scouts and uh, college scouting directors and things like that, that for the most part, those guys survive it through May. And then the day the draft is over, if the new GM wants to clean house and start from scratch in that, in that department, he does. And those guys go and, and find other jobs and catch on elsewhere. So my guess is, is that even if they do hire a new GM, that guys like Cameron Williams, uh, those types of guys, Cameron Williams, the Patriots uh, college scouting director, uh, he'll probably stay on and through at least through the draft if he's right. not retained beyond that. Well, unless, I mean, sometimes, like, if you hire, like, the assistant GM of a team, he might bring his assistant yeah. who's been working on that stuff yeah. for that team. But, yeah, no, it's a fair point. Uh, really, uh, last thing here on the GM thing, because I think we get this question a lot. We talk, to ton, talk a ton about head coaches and head coaching yeah. candidates. And GMs are tougher because not everybody knows all of the, the personnel guys around the league, right? It's, right. it's a little bit tougher. But uh, the one name that I keep coming back to for, for GM – and I, I didn't realize until uh, last week uh, after we did the show that he was here. And that's Whoa. Adam Peters with the San Francisco 49ers. Adam Peters was with the Patriots for like, I think it was like six or seven years or something like that in the 2000s. I think it was like, you know, mid 2010s or early, you know, late 2000s, early 2010s. Adam Peters was here for a chunk of time. And I always think about, with the crafts, you look at most of their hires. Pete Carroll was kind of out of nowhere, if I'm not mistaken. That's more of like a Perillo, Fred Kirsch question. But if Didn't I'm not, he, hadn't he worked for Parcells in the past? Well, he coached he... for the Jets, so he's you know maybe close. But you look at a lot of their other hires. You know, obviously, uh, Bill was here, right, right, with on Parcells' staff, and then came back as the head coach. So I think in a lot of ways, uh, those guys they like to to get guys that they at least have some sort of familiarity with. And Adam Peters was here for a period of time. He's the Patriots national scout from 2011 to 2013. Yeah. And now he's in San Francisco. He's the assistant general manager of the 49ers. He's, uh, you know, John. Oh, wait, Peters is also with the Patriots. So he was here. He was here for a while. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think he rose up the ranks here. He was here from 03 to 08. He was a pro scout from 06 to 08. And then he was here again in from 11 to 13 yeah i think he was here that whole time if i'm not mistaken and he rose up through the ranks yeah and, you know, with the patriots so he's john lynch's nick casario macro he's the assistant gm yeah he but he has the official he's not director of player personnel he's assistant gm right so he had he's got familiarity with the Kraft family from being here uh you know as, as a low-level guy He's rose up through the ranks here. Then he got big jobs elsewhere, and now he's got the 49ers shine on him, right? You know, he's right. got he's got that whole thing uh, where he understands how the 49ers have run their operation. So, if I had a, if I had my pick of the league, and you'd said to me, Evan, you know, who do you want the most? Adam Peters is one one for me. That's at the very top of the list, and uh, he's the guy that I would be going after. Other guys like John Robinson, I think, did yeah. a good job with the Titans until the A.J. Brown thing. I mean, that's kind of – other than that, how was the play? But, yeah. Who knows who made that decision? John that, Ro Well, John Robinson got fired for it, so he, – He did, but did ownership push him to to trade A.J. Brown because of the contract? Maybe. You know, who knows? 
uh, that was a very Patriot move was we're just going to draft your replacement yeah. in Trey Lomberg's. I didn't love it. No one loved it, but he's another guy that was here for a long time, had some really, really good drafts with the Patriots. Like the McCordy Gronkowski draft is his draft, you know? So he's had some good drafting in the past here. Uh, those are a couple guys that th- you have to keep in mind. And this is why I always you know say with Gerard Mayo that I think he might stay here in some capacity with it's not even, you know, he might be head coach. I, the Kraft family does not nece- usually go that outside the box or outside the nest. Like they're going to, whoever is going to run this thing next is going to, ha- you're going to know the name. Like it's not going to be somebody that they, they're not going to pluck some GM off of some random staff. They're not going to do that. They're going to have somebody in mind and they're going to have somebody that they're have some sort of familiarity with. And I think those two guys would probably be at the front of the line if, if I had to guess. Can I give you uh, another name? And this is a guy I've talked about, but yeah. I just looked it up and realized he has a connection. Ray Agnew, yeah. the assistant GM of the Lions. Yeah. He was Patriots' first-round pick. Yeah. And this was pre-craft. It was in 1990, but like yeah. he's been here. Yeah. I also I had one more down. Oh. Special teams. Oh. Bryce Barringer. Gave, gave up the punt return. Bryce Barringer had two great punts and then just shanked five in a row. <laughs> they didn't trust Chad Rather to kick a field goal. They gave yeah. up that big punt return. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. Uh, so we didn't get to do practice report on PU yesterday because okay. uh, it had, practice was late. Your your little tidbit about the kickers, uh, I I I've scoffed at you during practice, and then you know, I, as always, I come back around. And I'm like, all right, he's probably onto something there. It was a little interesting that the the practice squad kid Michael Wright was kicking. In yeah, practice. he was kicking during stretching, and it was Chad Rowland was like behind the goalpost getting the balls. <laughs> he's he was he was he was. Uh, was it called when they do that in BP in batting practice? Shagging balls. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Th- it does definitely seem like they've lost confidence in Chad Ryland. Yep. All right. Uh, let's get back to the phones. Uh, Colleen is in Houston. What's up, Colleen? Hey, guys. Uh, hey. So, uh, first of all, the Clifford-Franklin comparison is so funny because I made that comparison to my friends, and they had no idea what I was talking about. Great movie. Uh, you need to make your friends watch that movie. The movie yeah. is uh, Rudy. It, it is Rudy. I, I know you guys aren't into it, but that's my favorite. Anyway. It's fair. Um, my question is leading into you said you were talking about the draft. I have a billion questions, but I'll just leave it to this one. Um why has Jaden Daniels been so underrated so far in the draft? Because he is going to win the Heisman probably, but uh, people still have him in like the second round and stuff. And I'm curious why he's not up there with like Drake May and Caleb Williams. Okay. Thank you. Thanks calling. Uh, it's a great call. I So it's a good question uh, about Jaden Daniels. So Jaden Daniels is your classic riser in a draft, right? Where last right. year we weren't having conversations about Jaden Daniels at all being a top prospect in the draft. And some people are reluctant with those types of guys, guys that just kind of come out of nowhere and, and then are all of a sudden a top five pick in the draft. Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow did that. And that's the one hand. You know, that's the positive. Yeah. Baker Mayfield is, is, was also one of those right. guys. Right. So like anything with the draft, it can go either way. Right. So, I look at Jaden Daniels as a guy that's really, really improved from this year to last year. So, what? And when I say really improved, uh, he was always a good athlete. He always had the size, the NFL arm talent, the mobility. As a passer, you know, as an actual quarterback, he really improved this year at LSU. 
So what you have to ask yourself when you're, you know, evaluating a player like that is, was it, is it circumstantial? You know, like a guy like neighbors all of a sudden becomes a star, you know, like where, what led to the improvement? I, I talked a little bit to uh, some of the LSU guys in the locker room, you know, Jalen Mills, uh, Kayshawn yeah. Booty, who played with Jaden Dan- Daniels last year. And a lot of those guys said, uh, you know, that he really worked at it in the offseason, that got with the quarterback's coach, fine-tuned his mechanics, worked his butt off in, in the offseason to get here. So I love that. I think that that's, that's a, that tells me that this is just real improvement. This isn't right. all of a sudden he's in a better offense and is lighting up Georgia Southern or something like that. Georgia State, he did light up Georgia yeah. State. Um, but I'm intrigued by Jaden Daniels. I am, and my guess is is by the time that we're done with this draft process, he will be a first-round pick. You know, interviews, combine, if he works out, pro days, things like that. Aware in the first round, I think media will probably be higher on him than the league. So that, that'll come down to how high up can he get himself. Right. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson was the 32nd pick in the draft. That was ridiculous. It was uh, ridiculous. Like, he was the second-best quarterback prospect in that class, easily. And he gets picked 32nd. It made no sense. So we'll see with Jaden Daniels. But that big, big jump that he made from this year to last year, some people are gonna, aren't going to be as quick to move him up the board as others. Yeah, I get that. I think part of the reason he's lower, too, is he is a little bit undersized. Um, I think that's something teams are going to look at. Can he be as dynamic as a runner when he yeah. puts on the 15 to 20 pounds he's going to have to put on to play quarterback in the NFL? Um, and, yeah, just you're talking about two guys in Caleb Williams and Drake May that really have two dominant seasons where Daniels was good last year but wasn't this. Yeah. It's it's two seasons of, of evidence versus one season of evidence, and yeah. that's going to make a difference. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we'll see with Daniels. I think some of the things that he struggles with as a passer still are, are a lot of the same things that I, I remember thinking about Justin Fields coming out. Uh, you, we were talking about this. I, off- he's a better passer than Fields. He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we were talking about this a little bit off the air just from, like, a processing standpoint. NFL defenses are so much different from college defenses because college defenses, for the most part, uh, you know, they're, they're definitely trees and, and coaches that, that spin the dial in college. You know, the, the obviously the Saban, Smart, you know, uh, Venables. Like, those guys have the coaching chops to, to coach right. those types of things with 18-, 19-year-old kids. But for the most part, college defenses are stagnant. They, If they're in too high pre-snap, they're going to be in too high post-snap. If they're in single, if they're in man-to-man looks, they don't – spin the dial like NFL defenses do. So a lot of uh, the things that you see, like with Justin Fields coming out was once he started to face like in the college football playoff and he played uh, Alabama, right. And the right. Uh, yeah, teams like that, that play match, uh, you know, play uh rip Liz and, and play different, you know, rotations on the back end, things like that. It, it, you saw some delay in the processing where he wasn't reacting to it very quickly. And I think Jaden Daniels has sometimes has some similar things when you watch some of the SEC games that he played uh, this past season. So that's going to be the big question on him. I, I know that that comes like with baggage. People hear that, you know, about black quarterbacks and they, you know, go a different direction with it. But that that's just the truth. Like yeah. th- there's some there's some stuff with his processing that's going to have to improve. Now, some people had similar concerns about C.J. Stroud and he's been maybe. Right. The, it, it's it's it things that matter. can improve. He just needs to see more football. Like yeah. that's most guys. Yep. All right. Uh, Greg is in California. What's up, Greg? 
Hey guys, uh, first time, long time. Uh, in a season that's been basically pathetic from every standpoint, it's pretty impressive. You guys have been able to keep people's interest. So thank you, uh, thank you, fan. But uh, my question was, um, it seems like I've heard you guys say you don't want uh, Josh McDaniels back next year, correct? Uh, lukewarm. I don't know how Alex feels about Depends it. Depends on the scenario. I mean, there's scenarios I'd take him back, but they're not my favorite scenarios. Yeah. I'm just thinking I'd kind of – I don't I don't think we're going to get Caleb Williams. So I'd kind of rather we got Marvin Harrison and brought back Josh McDaniels because I just feel like Belichick, uh, Belichick's opinion that he could win with a top 15 quarterback hasn't really been debunked yet because – He's basically had like a bottom five quarterback every year since Brady left, it would seem. So I would just be curious if we had like a Marvin Harrison, maybe a better O-line next year with the solid defense we already have, what you guys think like a Kirk Cousins, Andy Dalton type of quarterback could do in this offense. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks for the call, Greg. Andy I, Dalton's been out of league. Well, and now he's I think he's just talking about like that level okay. of quarterback. Uh, look, I... I love Josh McDaniels. I've always been a, a big McDaniels guy. My my hesitation with McDaniels is that that it's the same system that they're running now, uh, for the most part. You know, right. the, the bones of it are the same. And I I really just am getting to the point now where I'm concerned that this system is extinct. I I think that there's a lot on the quarterback, uh, setting protections, alerts, th things like that. I think there's a lot mentally on the receivers that slows guys down in terms of route conversions and options and things like that. And we've seen now they've had to strip it down. You know, Bill O'Brien installed the whole thing in the off season and in the, uh, the off season program in the spring and in training camp, he installed his, the entire playbook. And now all of a sudden we're 12 weeks in 13 weeks in and he, and he has to pull back because they can't execute it. And right. I, I just wonder if this offense is extinct. I wonder if there's not enough new agey, I hate using that phrase, but like just uh, concepts that teams are running now to to get guys. That thing I was saying earlier about speed and space, and I I just don't know if Josh McDaniels is going to innovate his offense. His offense with the Raiders was the same offense he was running with the Patriots at the end. Uh, you know, fullback under center, uh, all the all the same elements that he ran here in New England, and it didn't work. So he and it didn't work and he's you know talking about having that Andy Dalton Kirk Cousins level quarterback. Like isn't Derek Carr that that guy? Right, yeah. And it didn't work with Derek Carr. So uh, in some ways I'm starting to trend towards I guess is a long way of saying this. I'm starting to trend towards like they need a whole new offensive system. Like a guy like Ben Johnson, a guy uh like my guy in, in Houston, uh the of course Slovis, right? There's Yeah. yeah you know, no. You know, Bobby Slowick. Slowick, thank yeah. you. Uh, it, I I think they might need that. They they might need a whole new offensive system. This system, I think, bogs players down too much. There's too much mental game going on, and uh, only certain guys, you know, on that like that that upper level of of understanding the game, like a Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, that type of thing. Those are the guys that are 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 can run an offense like this. And I don't know if the modern quarterback can run this offense. Yeah. I, if you draft, you're just talking about Jaden Daniels. Like Jaden Daniels isn't going to run this type of offense. Like you want to spread the field, you want to let him be an athlete, you want to let him use his mobility. Like that's not what this offense is going to do. 
Uh, so I, I that, those are my hesitations with Josh McDaniels. The one, the two things I like about would like about Josh McDaniels, even at the end with the Raiders, I thought that their offense made sense and and was executed with some with like the details, you know, like they, their techniques, their details were pretty good. Uh, it looked like an NFL offense in terms of spacing and timing and routes and things like that. So I think that there is a a level that we thought Bill O'Brien was going to bring of like professionalism to his yeah. offense and he's not going anywhere <laughs> like, right. let's just be honest like he he's not going anywhere he's not getting another head coaching job in the league he's done as those aspirations are over uh so josh mcdaniels if he remains in coaching which i'm sure he will you know he's gonna be an nfl offensive coordinator for the next 20 years because that's all he's got left so there's that no I, and there is inherent value with that but like you said do you want to kind of you know jump jump charge the offense and then you might need a different guy yep all right uh mark is in connecticut what's up mark evan i just had two quick uh questions for you today sure so andrew callahan a week and a half ago reported that he had talked to pop douglas and said that he didn't sustain a concussion and that he should be good to go and then the day after he gets put in concussion protocol so where is the miscommunication there and then also the second one was that Taekwon Thornton, they get him on an end-around reverse, and he goes for 40 yards, 39 to be exact. But why don't they run that play ever again? I mean, the kid's got speed. You need speed out there, and he's your fastest guy. So explain to me those two things, Evan. Yeah, it's it's a fair call. Thanks, Mark. Uh, number one on the concussion, and this is not to pick on Andrew. Uh, he's a good reporter, a good guy. Uh, but I'm always reluctant to go run with stuff that players tell you immediately after the game because really you don't evaluate a player for injuries until Monday. Right. But, you know, when they come in and they get into the medical room and they get tests done and they get looked at again with concussions too, uh, that's something that, that might not present itself right away. And then you come in the next day and all of a sudden you got a headache, right? Like, you know, those are, so that happens a lot with concussions. That's why a lot of times guys will get into concussion protocol on Monday that were not knocked out of the game. Like they might play through it during the game because they don't think anything of it. And they come in Monday morning, all of a sudden they, they, they they don't feel right in there in concussion protocol. So uh, Douglas, I I talked to him after the game too uh, in in New York, a big smile on his face. Like, you know, pot, like same all normal demario douglas like big smile everything uh, happy um you know relatively uh after the loss and uh he uh he looked fine and i'm sure he come in the next day and then all of a sudden it, it, it it's not fine and that's where it's at so not to pick on andrew or his reporting I, I just think with those types of things it's it's sometimes there's a delayed fuse yeah especially with concussions that you have to kind of give it a day and see how a guy's gonna bounce back uh, we talked a lot about taekwon already like that i'm with mark like that's a, that's totally fair you know they they find a play to unlock them a little bit um they they run it once a game it feels like uh, you know those types of plays you're not going to run an end around 10 times right like it's not one of those things but uh, i ideally like you run it once or twice you get the defense to respect the motion and then you run something off of the motion and i think that that's right. sort of the thing that you were talking about earlier about you know uh, sequencing plays and complementary plays, it doesn't seem like they're doing that at a high level well, right they, now. They kept running that orbit motion yeah. with Taekwon and just running off of it, 
and the 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 why is playing on the planet? Chargers were just jumping them. Yeah, like every they're just sitting on the run, sitting on the run. At certain points, like you got to throw the ball out to Taekwon. Yeah, because they're sitting on this, and he's going to have room on the outside, and they just never did it. So, like, things like that were were weird. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fair point about Taekwon though. His usage, I think, is, is again, I'm not saying that he would be a thousand yard receiver if he was being used better. I'm just saying he would be better than what they're getting out of him if he was being used a little bit better. Uh, all right, let, a few emails, and then we'll talk about um. We'll talk about the uh, the Steelers here for a second, and, and we'll give you your five minutes on Army-Navy at the end as right. well, Alex. Um, so this emailer uh, emails – I have we addressed this yet? I don't know. Uh, Barton Poland emails us this all the time about how uh, – about Michael Penix. I think we talked about this. I think I might have read this email. But uh, I don't know where Barton Poland's getting his rankings from. I don't really look at, like, other guys' rankings this time I of year know. too much. Uh, but he's claiming that – in terms of Michael Penix, um, Mel Kuyper has him as QB eight, and uh, Dane Brugler has him as QB seven. Well, Dane, and, and we have him as QB four. Uh, and so, where where is the disconnect? Is the question? Uh, well, so I would say Dane Brugler also has JJ McCarthy's QB three. Yeah, so he's out. <laughs> Dane uh, Brugler's out. Kuyper, just quarterback rankings are notoriously wrong. Like he's never been good on quarterbacks. Yeah, I I have some some thoughts that I probably shouldn't share on the I, air. I, I I know exactly where you're going. Let, let, let me put it to you this way: uh, Mel Kiper's favorite quarterback in this draft is Drake May. Yep, and he who was it? He said was a good runner who like couldn't run. I, I just remember, I don't remember if it was last year. First of all, Mel Kiper. Like Kenny Pickett is like his favorite quarterback yeah. prospect. Like he gushed about Kenny Pickett, and uh, he also you want to know his top ten quarterbacks from last year? Yeah, yeah. One Will Levis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it was Will Levis. I I was trying to think of it, and it's just like, yeah. I mean, this guy. Look, legend of the game, legend of the game. He's the reason why the draft media is, coverage is relevant. Yes, I I, I don't want to come on here Pioneer. and just bash Mel Kiper, but no. again, Will, Will Levis. Um, why might there be that disconnect? Maybe, you know, I'm looking at Michael Penix as a player. I'm just looking at what I see on the field. I have no access to his medical information. Yeah. I have not heard anything that is not public about this, the, his medical condition between his knees and his shoulders. Maybe those guys, may, maybe Brugler and, and Kuiper are out on, on it because of the medical things. Or I'm, I'm kind of under the impression that until we find out there's an issue... I'm going to operate as if there's not an issue until we get to the if, if we get to the combine and they say, hey, his knees won't hold up. He's not going to be my QB four anymore. He's not going yeah. to be a first round pick anymore. I'll say that right now. But we don't have that information yet, so I'm not going to factor it in. Uh, that's probably part of the reason for the disconnect. Uh, some people don't like older prospects. I frankly don't really care when a guy has a, a floor as high as Michael Penix does. Uh, the other thing I would say, Evan, for the two of us is, I had Zach Wilson. What was it QB six, QB seven? Yeah, I had him in twenty one. I had him as four. Um, I had him. I had it. Lawrence, Fields, yeah, Lance, yeah, Wilson, Mac. I had Lawrence, Fields, Mac, Lance, Trask, Wilson. Zach Wilson's so, better than Kyle Trask. Is he? But I was wrong about ranking him ahead of Mac. Uh, the the point, Trey Lance. The, the point being, the point being, we've gotten this right once or twice before. Yeah, no, we, we we've been on it. We've we've been and and look, maybe again, 
And also, like, Trey Maybe. Lance Hive, I still believe. I still you believe. You still believe in Trey. You yeah. loved yourselves in Trey Lance. I, I still believe Trey um, And again, maybe things change. Maybe more information comes out by the time we get to the end of this. We say, hey, you know, like Penix has two bad knees. We're out. It's been proven. Uh, As of right now, I just don't think you can hold it against the kid. And maybe maybe, uh, these guys, maybe Kuiper does have the information. I don't, so I'm not going to pretend I do. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I I didn't know those QB rankings existed. And uh, Bart also claims that there's like – sourced stuff in some of these uh, rankings that the league is not as high on Michael Penix as everybody else. I, I, I Maybe that's the case. Like, I'm not trying, again, like, same thing I said about Andrew. Like, I'm yeah. not trying to rip on people's reporting. Right. Uh, I, I think that that could be the case. But in, in my mind, and this is somebody that doesn't watch college football every single weekend like you do as a degenerate, I, I have watched Michael Penix like three or four times yeah. so far this season. Every single time I've watched him, that guy is a dog. Like yeah. he he is going after the opponent. Like he is taking it to USC. He's taking it to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. Like that Pac-12 championship game was a high-scoring back and forth offensive football game and he more made more plays than the other guy. Yep. Who if that's what their rankings are, Mel Kuyper and uh and Todd or whoever the other people were, uh, Dane Brugler, they probably have Bo Nix ahead of him then, if he's QB eight in right. their rankings, and he outplayed Bo Nix uh, like head to head. Right. I, so against a better defense, Oregon's defense is much better than Washington's defense. And so, that's the Pac-12 championship game. Now he's going to be in the college football playoff. Right. Uh, who they're they're playing uh, Texas. Texas. Yeah. So he's who has go, a decent defense. So he's and he's going to go up against Quinn Ewers head to head. Yeah. Who's another guy that people really like. So if he outduels. Quinn Ewers, and then he outduels everybody else's guy, and J.J. Then McCarthy. It's either J- or it's either J.J. McCarthy or he tears up the Alabama defense. At what point are we going to sit here and say, oh, wow, this guy's just beaten everybody in his path? Right. And I would also say, because I'm coming around on Penix. I am. I love it. Because of two reasons. One, I, I that was a quality that I feel like we all ignored with Mac was – that intangible because you can't quantify it and we're right. such analytical guys that we just want to think about the film and the, and the metrics well you know what i'm saying yeah. no uh we we just want to think about it like from like a a trade scouting type of perspective and not not saying we're scouts okay don't don't come at me about that <laughs> but we we just we want we think about it that way and we're not we don't like you said earlier we don't know the guy we, we're not interviewing people right we're not we don't know them on that level like these scouts do and these guys in front offices do. And with Mac, I, we never really answered the question of like, well, we did, but I think we ignored it. Adversity and how yeah. he's going to handle that. Uh, we never really thought about, you know, when he gets into a close game, how he was going to handle that. Penix has checked all of those types of boxes. Yeah. He's had injuries. He's bounced back from them. He's been on bad teams at Indiana that he made competitive. They were a top 25 team with Penix. It's like the only time they've ever been good. Yeah. That's not an easy program to make good. Yeah. And he's bounced back from all of it. And now he's going toe-to-toe with a really good Washington offense. No, you know, Adunze, those so guys can I, play. I, I, I want to talk about that in a second, but keep going. And, well, you're loving this, so you want me to keep going. Yeah. Uh, he, he He's done all of that. And he continues to pass every single test. He's going toe-to-toe and beating Caleb Williams. He's going toe-to-toe and beating Bo Nix. Now he's going to go to the college football playoff and probably beat Texas. Like, what? Uh, what but he might. 
He might. Yeah, no, he might. That's going to be a toss-up game, but yeah. At what point do we sit there and say, like, this guy is just – he's just a, he's a competitor, and he's got the physical tools. Like, I'm not saying that he's, you know, one of those try-hard guys that's just a college football, you know, Johnny Manziel type. Right. Like, he's got all of the the arm talent in the world, too. I, I He's a good prospect. He is. Is he perfect? No. He's got an injury history. He's a lefty, which I hate. Uh, there's some things that, you know, off his back foot at times that – is that going to translate to the league when the windows are a little bit tighter and things like that? He's going to have to uh, throw from a more sturdy base more often. But in general, I, I really am starting to come around on him because he's a winner. Like, and not in the Mac Jones sense where he's a front-running winner in college. No, he's a. I, I said it last week. D A W G dog. Yeah. That I. I will line up behind that guy going to battle any day. I will run through a wall for that guy any day. And there's value in that. On the because I see a lot of people in the chat saying it. Oh, he's got three. He's got three top 100 wide receivers, and he does. Yeah, he does. Uh, show me a quarterback in this draft that doesn't have. It's just weird this year. Show me a quarterback in this draft that does not have significant wide receiver talent around him. Caleb Williams has three guys who will be top 150 picks this year, and a guy who will go in the top 100 next year. Jane yeah. Daniels has two top 100 picks. JJ McCarthy has the best running back in college football, a top 100 wide receiver, and never throws the ball. <laughs> Bo Nix has two top 100 wide receivers. Yeah. Quinn Ewers, Quinn Ewers probably is the best supporting cast of anybody. Yeah. That Texas group with Xavier Worthy, AD Mitchell, and Jatavian Sanders, all three of those guys should be gone by pick 50. Yeah. The one exception is Drake May. Yeah. He has Tez Walker, a good running back in Amari Hampton, and that's kind of it. He yeah. probably is the less talent, least amount of talent around him of anybody, but we don't you don't get to do oh look first of all, as good as all these groups are, yeah. You don't get to say, well Mac had all the talent, so look at yeah. none of these guys have the talent Mac did. No. no no quarterback in college history has had or probably will ever have again. Maybe besides Joe Burrow. All right, fair. But like Ewers is the closest in this class. Again, yeah. I think all three of those guys are elite. Uh, but And Jonathan Brooks, who's hurt now. But if you don't want a quarterback that doesn't have elite talent around him, you're either a Drake May guy or you're not taking a quarterback this year. That's yeah. just the, that's the reality. And if, if that's what you want to say, fine, I'll wait for a quarterback to show up who's faced some adversity. Uh, you know, you can go get Shadur Sanders next year who's throwing to Travis Hunter. Or you can go get whoever – goes to Ohio State, whoever transfers to Ohio State, who's going to have a ton of talent around him, probably Cam Ward. Uh, yeah, it's – this is just with the transfer portal now. You're not going to get these quarterbacks. You're not going to get Cam Newton at Auburn in 2010 who was throwing to – I think Sammy Coates was his best receiver. Like, yeah. the majority of those guys never played in the NFL. Yeah. You're not going to – Sammy Coates barely played in the right. NFL. You're not – I think it was – was Sammy Coates even on that team? I don't know. I got to look. But the point being – you're not going to get these quarterbacks anymore that just elevate a ton of scrubs around him. The way the transfer portal works, every quarterback is going to have a loaded team around him. What you have to do is look at what the quarterback does independently of the receivers. Where, How does he handle pressure? Where is yeah. he placing the ball? How is he reading the field? That has nothing to do with the receivers. By the way, Sammy Coates was not on that team uh, Cam Newton's top receivers, Darvin Adams, Who? Terrell Zachary, no, Cody Burns, no. and the late Philip Lutzkirchen. So, well, how do you know that he's the late Philip Lutzkirchen? Because he died. It was like a famous thing. Oh, uh, like he he died the, that year. Um, and then Michael Dwyer was the Michael Dwyer was the running back. He played in the NFL yeah. very briefly. But you're not going to get that guy anymore. Is the point? 
these guys all are going to have loaded rosters around them because they're building super teams through the transfer portal with right. NIL. It's not – you don't get to say he has too much talent as a disqualifying, uh, as a disqualifying uh, uh, characteristic. And I'm saying this for the guys I don't like. I'm saying yeah. this for Bo Nix. I'm saying this for J.J. McCarthy. Yeah. You have to actually go watch the quarterback and watch what he does independently of the talent around him. Fair enough. All right, let's talk a little bit about this Steelers game. I, I love I, – I, you know what? I take that back. I hate the fact that we reserve like 15 minutes of show now to actually talk about the next game. Like that 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 does bother me, but that's where we're at. So a couple things about this Steelers uh, game in this, in this uh, spot here for the Patriots. Uh, number one, this game, I think maybe the biggest indictment out of anything on this season – when you really get down to brass tacks about why we are uh, Rich Eisen talking about Bill Belichick's job yeah, being on the line, the Patriots, the one thing post Brady that the Patriots were able, are, were still held, that, that one card that they still held in their hand was that if they played a backup quarterback or a sucky quarterback, they would still win the game. They would win, regardless of Cam Newton, Mac yeah. Jones, Bailey Zappi, whoever was starting under center, they could still beat, you know, the Jared Goffs of the world without Amon Ross St. Brown last year with Detroit to the Sam Ellingers and the, the, the Gardner Minshews and, like, those types of guys. Can I give you the list? Yeah. So here are all the, the quarterbacks the Patriots have beaten since the bye week in 2021 from Chris Mason. This is the, this is the who's who of quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL. Some real great names on this list. Zach Wilson three times. The Urban Meyer version of Trevor Lawrence, Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, Jacoby Brissett, Sam Ellinger, Colt McCoy, a combo of Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson, and Josh Allen. So there's one legitimate quarterback on that list. Jacoby Brissett's a quality win. The rest of those guys, guys they should be. Yeah. So the You're point- just going to let that one go? Yeah, because I just— <laughs> It just is. It is <laughs> terrible. Uh, you thought about that for a second. The point is, I like Jacoby Brissett. That the they used to win this game in their sleep. Yeah, the, this was a game that you could chalk up as a W. And last year, frankly, they inflated their win total by winning games like this. You know, Zach two was Zach Wilson games, yeah. a Sam Ellinger game. You know, those types of games were why they ended up actually getting to eight wins and and right. one win away from the playoffs. So this year. They have lost the ability to eat. They didn't even beat Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito. A hey, U- Tommy DeVito. A UDFA third-string quarterback that still lives with his mom. And they couldn't even beat him. Doesn't Brock Purdy live with a roommate? It's not his mom, but like he's like there was something where like okay, his parents had to co-sign it, his lease. In his defense, like San Francisco is extremely I know, expensive. I know, but I'm just saying. Uh, so Tommy DeVito, nope. Gardner Minshew, L. L-, L- yeah, you know these types of games used to be in their sleep, chalked up W's for the Patriots. So this is another one. Last year they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh with Mitchell Trubisky yes. as the starting quarterback, seventeen to fourteen, in Week Two. Yep. Nelson Aguilar had the game of his life. Yep. Best Nelson Aguilar game in his tenure with the Patriots. Gunnar Oshevsky fumbled a punt. That was the big, oh, yeah. big play in that game, right? Yep. Late in that game. So they they won this exact game last year. Trubisky and the Steelers in Pittsburgh. It was I think Najee Harris didn't play in that game, right? Wasn't he out for because he might not play uh, I, tonight or tomorrow I, night? I, can't, I think he did play. Somebody big was out for them on. I'm going to look. Somebody so, big was out for them on offense. The point being that 
they have fallen so far, the Patriots have, this Patriots team, that they might legitimately... No, they did have Najee Harris. They might legitimately lose to Mitch Trubisky tomorrow night. Oh, yeah. Which I think a lot of fans would say, please lose, and I get that. Chase Claypool at four catches. Uh, but the point is, is, it still stands. So they should be able to dominate Mitch Trubisky and win this football game. And the reason being, one, you know, they make Mitch Trubisky sit in the pocket and make throws. So I was going to say, they can't do that. Last year, and, and Devon Godshaw talked about this yesterday. Like, yeah. if it's not there for Trubisky, he will run and he can't hurt you doing that. Yeah. They held Mitch Trubisky to one carry for seven yards last year. He threw the ball 33 times. Yeah. You don't want Mitch Trubisky throwing the ball 33 yeah, so, times. Yeah, so last year, and I wrote about this in Game Plan. It's up on uh, Patriots.com right now. Uh, they they ran a lot of do- drop eight coverage last year. So they would ru- rush three guys in, like, the mush rush. And sometimes they would let Judon go after him. But, like, for the most part, the, the idea of the rush was to keep him in the pocket. And, uh, and then they would have eight guys in coverage and just kind of make him read out the coverage and find guys. And obviously, Trubisky's not going to be able to do that at a very high level. Uh, so that they have a plan against Trubisky. And then I would also say on the other side of the ball to talk about the offense a little bit because, you know, they th- this offense uh, right now, I, I can't pick them in any game because of how the offense is playing. Uh, but offensively, the Steelers are really good defense. They are sixth in DVOA. They're ninth in EPA allowed. They're really, really good defense. Top defense in the top ten defense in the NFL by pretty much every metric. They got great players. TJ Watt. I think uh, you know Cam Hayward. Alex Highsmith is maybe one of the most underrated edge rushers in the league. With that being said, the Steelers and it's different. It's different from the Dick LeBeau, Blitzburg cover three Steelers. They don't run that system as much anymore. But the Steelers, they do what they do defensively. Under Tomlin, they've never yeah. been a big game plan team. So Tomlin's a Tampa 2 guy. Comes from the Tony Dungy tree with the Bucks. He's a Tampa 2 guy. So he runs a lot of Tampa 2. They Terrell Austin brought a lot more man coverage, like Patriots-style stuff with Brian Flores. So they basically have a combination of man coverage, uh, which they run a lot more now. They're fifth in the league in man coverage rate, and Tampa 2. Like Those are their two coverages. They're, the Patriots should know what's coming offensively. They should know that they're on early downs. They're going to get some sort of Tampa two coverage zone, uh, which is you know cover two, and then they're going to get man to man on third down. And the question is, you know, is can Bill O'Brien will Bill O'Brien will he actually scheme some stuff up in the drop back pass game this week? Like, will he actually not just run two go routes on the outside and and have Bailey Zappi throw a fifty fifty ball, which we just prove is more like 80 20 in favor of the defense right. uh, to Devonte parker or are they going to actually be able to scheme some things up and manipulate coverage and get guys open because they're going to know what coverages pittsburgh is going to play so schematically x and knows wise the patriots should be able to move the ball a little bit in this game uh for that reason uh but the big but other than themselves being just what they are uh this pittsburgh defensive front is legit one of the best in the league so are they going to be able to block it? T.J. Watt, Alex Highsmith, Cam Hayward, uh, Larry Ogunjobi. There are other d- defensive tackles, really underrated player. He's yeah. good inside as well. Uh, this is as good of a front as they're going to face all year, and there's a chance that Bailey Zappi's sacked like half a dozen times in this game and is running for his life. And the other thing you don't have, look, as as good as Khalil Mack was last week, there were some times Bailey Zappi kind of ran away from. Yeah. You're not running away from T.J. Watt. And there's also, like, Cleo Mack, which I think was, you know, I didn't mention this earlier. The other frustrating part about what Cleo Mack did to me is Cleo Mack is the only guy they have. 
on that lot. Right, Bosa Bosa's out. Bosa's, Bosa's out. Yeah. They don't have any uh, guys on the interior. Uh, 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 Tui Pelotu, the rookie, is a nice player. He's fine. He's not. He's fine. He's not. This, uh, uh, um, Bosa, but he's he's a good. I, I wouldn't say they have nobody. He's a guy you he, gotta worry he's, about. He's he's nah. I, I, I think he's a nice player. I, I think he's a pretty good player. But besides the point, they this Pittsburgh yeah, team's yes. got like three or four you, guys. You, he's not Alex Highsmith. No. And then the other thing, and you kind of talked about this before, is a lot of the the, the simplified co- uh, concepts they're running. And you talked about the digs and the crossers in the middle of the field, like in yeah. that intermediate part of the field. That's a potential field day. Yeah. Right for Minka Fitzpatrick. Yeah. So you gotta. This is not a game, Minka Fitzpatrick, as the quarterback. You cannot drop your eyes yeah. against the Steelers because you need to know where Minka Fitzpatrick is before you throw the ball every single time. Because if he is on the half of the field where you're throwing, he's gonna have a shot to jump the route. Yeah. He is. He's just that good. Yeah. So he is great. As good as this rush is. You can't forget about Minka Patrick, Minka Fitzpatrick on the back end, and just kind of be throwing blindly against pressure because Fitzpatrick's going to pick off multiple passes if you do that. Yeah, they're a great pass rush with a ball hawking secondary. That's how I would describe. The yeah, Steelers. which is dangerous. That's a dangerous yeah. combination. Yeah, and they they have a good defense. And so this game, I I picked thirteen to six Pittsburgh. Like that's the type of game it feels like again. I just can't admit envision there being a lot of offense in this game. I I think. Um, the Steelers score on defense. It's possible. Uh, like I, I think they score on defense and they'll get their one touchdown drive off a turn. Like I think the Patriots turn the ball over multiple times in this game. So then it'd be more like twenty and, to six. So I, I think that that point totals higher. But we're gonna look like this could be one of those games. And how many of these games have the Patriots had the last few years? Where like they give up twenty one points, but they only give up you know one hundred eighty yards of offense, yeah, or something like or that. Or it's like really defensive points. It's only fourteen because right. it's a. Pick yeah, six exactly. Something like, something like that. Yeah, I I will say for Bailey Zappi, the you know I kind of ragged on him a little bit, but I, the one po- he didn't turn the ball over, and he he had that one throw over the middle that we mentioned that this it tipped and then the safety tipped off the safety as well, it tipped twice. It, that was the closest one. Uh, but other than that, it, he really didn't put the ball in harm's way all that often in this game, or you know this past game. So that was a big step forward for Matt Jones. Like Matt Jones turned the ball over like crazy. At least Bailey Zappi wasn't turning the ball over like but, crazy. But uh, again, I don't and know. it's I'm trying to give him something. No, I, this is kind of a weird take I, I had the other day, but I thought of this. Do you want a, a silver lining for this season at the quarterback position, Evan? We found out. I, I have a well. On top of that, it's fair. But yeah, on top of yeah. that, following Tom Brady was an impossible task, and yeah. I mean like I, Cam Newton. But I mean like it's the long term guy, right? Cam Newton was never going to be. He was what 32 years old. He was never going to be quarterback here for 10 years. Yeah. Being the guy tasked with getting the organization back to the place they were with Brady was a monumental task. And even when Mac Jones was good at the beginning of his career, how many times did we hear, well, Brady would have done this, Brady would have done that? How many times did you give your take? Well, he's not Tom Brady, which, again, congratulations on snuffing that you, one out. You love that take. It's, it's such a That's your brave take, take Evan. That's you, your favorite that take. That Mac Jones is not Tom Brady. Um, following Tom Brady, impossible task. Following these two guys? <laughs> like, when we're talking about, well, he didn't turn the ball over. Yeah, they yeah. got shut out, but he didn't turn the ball over. It was good quarterback play. I didn't uh, say it was good. Uh, I said he didn't turn the ball You haven't. You haven't. Other people, people are saying, oh, no, look, he didn't, Zappi didn't turn the ball over, and he ran away from a couple potential sacks. Like, good, like, progress. It's going to be re- – next Next guy's going to hit, like, a 10-yard in cut and then come back on the next play and throw, like, a 15-yard back shoulder up the sideline, and we're going to be fitting him for a red jacket. Like, it's <laughs> – 
if you want some some silver well, lining. I mean, I'll I'll go back a step because you know, no disrespect to Drew, right? They they if Drew Bledsoe walked through this door right now, we'd be happy like to have a play. If Drew Bledsoe walked through that door, I'd be ecstatic. I've well, been not, doing this for ten years. He's my first ever favorite football player. I've never gotten to talk to him. I, I'm not kind of bummed by that. I'm not saying it, the door just opened. I just had like, oh my god, <laughs> all the crazy. way from Washington. Yeah, really. Uh, no, no Oregon now. It was in Oregon. Oh, it was in Oregon. Where, or that's where the winery is. I assume. He lives okay, uh, not like I mean, as a football player, obviously, uh, you. But before Drew Bledsoe, that was the kind of the Patriots. Like Steve Grogan was okay. Like they had pockets of okay quarterback. Steve Grogan play. wore a neck roll. Don't disrespect. Steve I'm just Grogan. saying. Like, okay. They, yeah. In general, yeah. they had pockets of good quarterback play at times from guys like Grogan. But in general, when Drew Bledsoe got here, even though Drew Bledsoe had his flaws, like the fact that he was anywhere near as good as he was right. people were like oh what is this he's like, a pro bowler yeah like yeah. this is incredible uh and that that's that's how it's gonna feel for the next guy here is he's gonna even he's not gonna be brady obviously so he's probably gonna be closer to drew Bledsoe. so hopefully yeah well and, that's and, what matt we all thought matt would be drew Bledsoe. well right? drew Bledsoe had a much bigger arm say than uh that. a palate cleanser yeah is what these last couple of years have been a palate cleanser yeah. at the quarterback position all right before we wrap so you people i was like, you have people chanting for zappy on sunday after a handoff like what are we doing? They're just trying to get any sort of excitement, any sort, anything. It was that a I, I for Tyquan. Then he made the play. I, I give that crowd so much credit, man. Pouring. Oh, rain, I do too. Forty degrees, terrible conditions, terrible football <laughs> team, and they were stand. They, a lot well, of those well, guys, they waited it out. They tried and to wait it out. Those are the real fans, and and when the team does get good again. That's the thing about going to a game like that. You go because when the team gets good again yeah. and everybody jumps back on the bandwagon. I was there yeah. for the 6 nothing game against the Chargers. In the pouring rain. In the pouring rain and yeah. the freezing cold. That's why you go to that game. All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up uh, in a couple minutes. But you, I told you, you ha- I'd give you three minutes on Army Navy. <laughs> I told you I'd give you three minutes on Army Navy. Yeah, Army Navy's happening here at Gillette on Saturday. Uh, what Radio Row on Friday, right? Yeah, right? Radio Row Radio in Boston Row, on big, Friday. Big deal, Radio Row on Friday. Events all day in the Boston area on Saturday, leading up to the game. Um, what do you got? Go ahead. Yeah, it's this is so your time to shine. I went last year in Philly. The Patriots were nice enough to kind of make that happen uh, to kind of get a vibe for what the game is, and and it is the most unique football environment I have ever been in. And I'm not necessarily saying it's like I covered a Super Bowl. I'm not saying it's the best. Like covering a Super Bowl is still uh, the the top for me. But I I will say a lot of these games now, and I don't mean this is a Patriots thing. I mean this is like a league wide, and really sporting events as a whole. Yeah, you go to these big games. People shelled out $10,000 for a ticket. They're there for the status symbol. They're not maybe fans of the game. It's not you, – you don't get a ton of these big game, big environments anymore. You go to Army-Navy, that play is going to be banged out. Like every seat in Gillette Stadium is going to be full. There's not going to be people up in the concourse. No, they're sitting there watching the game. Every single person wants to be there. Every single person is living and dying on every play. Every single person knows the game of football and understands what is going on. It is such an outstanding football crowd, and the environment is electric. And the way the game goes, and I know, Evan, they're not throwing the ball all over the yard, although they throw more now. They run a modified version of the triple option with spread concepts. <laughs> they run a modified version. I'm sorry, you're on a roll. So I'm, I'm not going to rain on your parade. The Go way ahead. this game Go works ahead. is it it really, and, and some of the players and coaches talked about this when we talked There's about the last There's a seal week. here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm, I promise. Go ahead. Go ahead. This every year this game is decided by one play, but you don't <laughs> you don't know when and, and how the play is going to happen. So last year, last year was two. 
Last what year, was the final score last year? 20 to 17. That's pretty high scoring. It was the first time the over hit in like 16 years. And because of <laughs> overtime. But you had like. Yourself, but man. here's the thing it's like, the it's, it's if, if you're somebody who likes. Yeah, yeah. It was first ever overtime game. If you're somebody. You know those, like, th- those movies where you're kind of. You spend the first half of the movie waiting. Yeah. And it's a lot of just build up. And then yeah. the second half is like, boom. Yeah. Or like those songs like Bob O'Reilly, right? Where you have that long intro where you're just kind of waiting. And, oh, they hit you with I, it. I, I always fast forward through the intro. I'm not going to yeah, Of course you do because <laughs> you hate fun. Army, Navy, there's this build up and build up and anticipation. Everybody's on the edge of their seats. And yeah. boom, block punt for a touchdown. Boom, fumble on the goal line. And it's just the the emotions Look of it are, are, are so outstanding. I'm really disappointed you're not going because I think if you went, you would – understand why this game is so special so i encourage everybody even if you don't have tickets there's all these fan fests going on around gillette stadium they'll have stuff going on that day college game day will be here in the morning come down try to there's obviously a bunch of places up at past place you can watch the game i'm sure there's other bars in boston elsewhere doing watch parties try to get somewhere where the game is the focal point and experience the energy that comes with this game because it truly i've i've been a lot of sporting events in my life I have never seen the kind of just anticipatory energy that comes with this game. It is special, and it's a bucket list item for a lot of people, not just me. And and having gone last year, I truly understand why, and it is special. All right, so there, there's your Army Navy minute. I, I'm not going to raid on the parade. I'm not going to do it, so I'm going to leave it at that. But I have, I have Marine. We're we're na- we're pro Navy, right? Or Navy, yeah. So, so I go with Marine on this one okay. because you know he's a Marine, so he doesn't really have you know a direct uh, you know dog in the fight. But uh, the Marine Corps is like technically Navy, Navy yeah. So we're, we'll go. Well, it's also we got Bill Belichick, Bob Sosi, like wow. Did yeah, that's what you know. We got that, Bill. That, Belich- that's how you know I'm a really big. You know, I, my knowledge of the armed forces is is vast. I always do that with like because it's wide receiver core. Or corpse, like you know, I always yeah. go back and forth on that one too. So I, I'll, I'll say this: a little, just a, a little different. It's, it's it's a little different. I I'm, I'm rooting for a good game, which I know people Shocker. roll their eyes at. Shocker. Um, I I, tr- I I do have um, my my cousin's husband is in the Navy, so that's generally where I lean. Uh, one player in specific I'm looking at is uh, Anton Hall. He's a running back for Navy. Um, he had the fumble last year that cost them the game and. Ah. He was distraught, and their coach got fired, and and you know people kind of talked about it. he kind of put that on him. And Coach Ken had been at Navy for 16 years. It was this real monumental moment. You talk about the stories and the people involved in this game. I want to see Anton Hall just have a monster game. That's what I'm rooting for. All right, so there's your Army Navy. I gave you like four minutes on. You Army did. Navy. You were you were very nice. I about was that. very I generous. Uh, Alex and I will be back next week, probably back on Thursday uh, next week with the the week going back to normal. Uh, Patriots Unfiltered is going to be coming up here in a couple of minutes, so don't go anywhere. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.